0: Hello and welcome to episode 81 of the Casual Try Hard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And this is going to be a big biggin'. This is going to be an odd episode. I mean, they're always odd. We're involved, but...
1: Yeah, for a couple of different reasons. This is going to be odd, though. First off, I'm going on vacation next week, so we were, gonna, we were planning on recording two episodes this week. One for this week, one for next week. But this episode is probably going to be long. So we haven't decided what we're going to do yet. I think Brian's going to do that while he's editing on the fly. We may do one super episode released like Monday, Tuesday-ish to cover two weeks. Or Brian might split this up into a part one and a part
0: two. Yeah, we'll see kind of where the break falls and, you know, how editing goes. Yeah, we'll um, see what happens. I have found in my life, I don't like to be told that I'm doing stuff wrong. But yeah. now I have like a nine pound tiny person who just screams <laughs> at me when he thinks I'm doing anything wrong, but does not offer any kind of constructive criticism. <laughs> and I don't what know how dick. to fix it. Yeah, I don't know how to fix it. I'm like, what do you need? And he says, just, ah. So like today I was trying to work and I was just like, well, I can't get anything done because you are voicing your displeasure at me okay i've got to try to fix this (laughs) so yeah so we'll see how that goes but yeah it'll be a big episode i started scrolling through the show notes and they're like the longest set of show notes we've had in a long time so it's like six pages you're gonna get your money's worth however however that goes i also
1: want to apologize in advance a little bit parts of this show are going to be kind of negative i think just because there comes a point when everybody has to rant a little bit, so even though we both love the game and you know don't plan on going anywhere, parts of this episode may get a little heated. So I
0: apologize in advance for that. Oh man, heated, heated. Man, we got to give the people what they want. Right. All right. So if you want to get at us on uh, Twitter, you can that uh, you can find us at, at @casualtripod. You can hit
1: us up on Facebook at Casual try hard MTG. You can also drop us an email, show at casualtryhardmtg.com. Don't forget, we have a TCG player affiliate link. It's tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. Anything you purchase after following that link will help keep the lights on, so they say. Uh, we get a real small cut that helps to pay some of our hosting fees and stuff, so make sure if you're going to pick up any sealed product, any singles, anything like that, you do so. After following that uh, affiliate link to help us out, if you would like to support us a little bit more directly, we do have a Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/CasualTryhardMTG. Every dollar helps, so if you feel like supporting us a little bit there, uh, we would welcome you to do that. Our patrons get a super cool pre-show that goes up normally the day after we record, so usually it's up on Tuesdays. Sometimes it doesn't get up until Wednesday. Um, that's just kind of us catching up cause we don't get to see each other too much anymore. So we catch up in the pre-show and talk about the show a little bit. Um, they also get access to our show notes. I post those the day before the show goes live on Patreon. So you get to completely see what we're going to be talking about the following day. And these notes are long. Yes. So you have that to look forward to. Also patrons have access to our finance room and our discord. So that's kind of another patron perk. And oh yeah, we have a Discord. We um, do. Hop, hop on over there to check out all the goings on. We have a adopted deck section, which we kind of hope to get back to soon, uh, where you can post up deck ideas and we'll take them for a spin and then critique, give our you know comments, concerns, whatever on them. Maybe make some changes. Um, we have a freebie section where if there's any you know arena codes or anything that we have to give out, we give them out there. Uh, we have a general section where we just kind of talk about whatever's going on in magic. There's a bunch of good guys in there, so hop on over, check that out. There should be a link in the description. There's also a link to our Discord server in uh, as a pinned comment on Twitter and
0: on Facebook. Yep. So you can catch us all there. All of those places. So there was strangely a lot of magic and not yeah. a lot of magic happening this weekend all at the same time all at the same time i think you paid more attention this to this than me i tried which is Morrow did a panel at comic-con dot from like, his couch from his couch yeah whatever fake virtual comic-con that we have to do now in the health in the hell times about zendikar rising and of course this was during the pt finals and like I was
1: during the finals, like it was a its own thing happening at the same time as the finals. And from what I understand, they did not cut from the finals
0: to watch his, his announcement
1: Maro's talk. Yeah, they were concurrent.
0: Yeah, like they should have just stopped and been right. like, "Hey, check this out!" But instead, they made like no mention of it. Right. With that said, what was Morrow's? Big announcement. There was one really big announcement and a little bit that was just kind
1: of him talking about the Zendikar Rising. Is that the name of the set?
0: Yes. Return to Return to Zendikar, whatever. He um, said what the Planeswalkers were going to be. He it, did. He was Nahiri, Nissa, and... Jace. Chase. okay. That's what I thought. Yep. Um, he also said that we
1: are not getting Eldrazi. Eldrazi are not present any longer. Fair. So it will be more akin to original Zendikar, which is Adventure World, and less akin to Rise of the Eldrazi or Battle for Zendikar.
0: Get ready for traps to come back, boys and girls. <laughs> They're back on the menu. Lava Ball Trap Part 2. <laughs> I forget what what else was actually in the announcement. But I think the big thing, the thing that we wanted to talk about were a new type of booster. Another new type of booster. These are set boosters because you couldn't yeah. get cards from the set from the other <laughs> booster. They were
1: different. Other, other booster? You're implying that there's only one other booster.
0: This is true. The, other, the, the other boosters did not give you... Set cards. They gave you other kinds of cards. Right. But these are set boosters. Um, um, we'll get into breaking down. Like, I have a whole section in here that's breaking
1: down, um, like, all of the different ways you can purchase magic cards now. Yeah. And before we did that, we'd talk about, like, what the set booster actually
0: is. Yes. So, I, you have here described that the set booster is somewhere between a draft booster, you know, the backbone of their business for 25 years, that has been deemed not good enough, and a cluster- collector booster. I nice. saw a tweet where someone took the Wizards announcement yeah. and like changed the descriptions, and it was like yeah. the regular booster, and then collector booster was for the whales, and then I forget what the uh, like the the theme booster was, but yeah. then for the set booster was. So you want to be a whale. And it's... I
1: think they call that hood rich, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, well, cor- quarantine rich now. Sure. <laughs> I'll trade you one bottle of hand sanitizer for that sweet, sweet set booster. Come right. on, you know you want to. Uh, so yeah, so this is a product that is priced at a little bit more than a yeah. draft booster but significantly yeah. less than a collector's booster. Yeah. I,
1: I think they said that it should be about a dollar more than a draft booster. Okay. So they will be about five bucks. I think maybe like five, I think like technically MSRP was supposed to be like four 25 or four 30 or something. Hey, I mean, that? you could find them for four bucks everywhere, but before they did away with MSRP, I believe MSRP was supposed to be like $4 and 30 cents or something.
0: Oh, on a, on a draft booster. On a draft booster, yeah. Yeah, okay, and then so these would be about five. Okay, yeah. so five. significantly less than a collector booster. Yes. still a little we, bit more. Yep. So, I'm paying more money. Right. Am I getting more cardboard? Um. No, you're, like, in terms of
1: volume of cardboard received, you're getting less cardboard.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Yep. So I'm getting less cardboard for an extra dollar. Right, but awesome. you're getting an experience of opening some cellophane. I get that experience every time I eat a Milky Way, but that doesn't mean I would pay five dollars for that experience. And that so, Milky Way has been with, is going to be with me forever on my waistline. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is true. I have worked very hard this year to get rid of some Milky Ways from
0: my waistline. Yeah, I haven't seen you in like a while. You could be like 110 pounds. Oh, I'm not quite that far, but I I dropped like. Forty-five
1: pounds this year.
0: Damn! Yeah. I found sir, ten sir, in quarantine. Kidding, <laughs> Your quarantine? Yeah, my quarantine for sure. It's not good. So anyway, <laughs> so there are twelve cards per booster. Is um, is it twelve? I thought it was twelve. I think it's fourteen. Okay, we can go through in a second, but yeah. they are selling these as they keep talking about with new boosters an exciting new way to open a pack.
1: Well, see, when they were doing this announcement, it kind of got me thinking a little bit. And from there, like, I see what their perspective is. Well, I, I mean, obviously, their perspective is money, and I get that. But aside from that, like, think about when you are standing in front of, like, the counter at your local game store, and you open your booster pack. Or you're watching you know, customers come up and open booster packs. There's a whole bunch of different ways to do it. Like some people, you know, slough off all the draft chaff and go right to the like last slot, the rare. Some people will like take the last three cards and set them down because that would contain like your foil and your rare. And then they'll look at the rest of the pack and then go back. Like we do this thing at the local game store called Pack Poker where you'll get a bunch of people together and everybody like one at a time will open a pack and add up the total CMC of every card in that pack. And then whoever has either the highest or the lowest or whatever will kind of win all of those packs. But like all of these different ways that people open booster packs are kind of to do what this product is aiming to do. And that's to provide like more excitement when you open
0: it. Right. Yeah, I guess I open packs differently. <laughs> when I when I buy booster boxes, my wife and I will sit down and we race to see who can open the box faster. Oh, okay. And then <laughs> that she, is certainly a different way. And then she counts how many orange symbols she opened, how many mythics she opened, because that's how she knows if her box is good. Oh, okay. she like, oh, I got five orange ones. Boom. Oh, that's pretty good. Oh, she'll run by me. She'll be like, is this card good? I'll be like, oh, that card's good. Like, the kiss of death is, I'm like, that's good in draft. It's just like, yeah. oh. <laughs> oh. I'm tell you know it's a bad card. It's, it's like, oh, good in draft. It's unbeatable in draft, but... It was yeah. a limited plant. Yeah. Like, oh. I guess I just see packs as a way to, like, convey game pieces to me. Right. And so, I guess I've never looked at them, like, oh, I need an exciting new way to open a pack. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, it but, was... I mean, it, it I don't was... know that it's like a
1: newer exciting way to open a pack, but like I kind of see like what they're going for. Like it it is kind of exciting. And if you do like spend time at your LGS like hanging out at the counter or whatever, you can definitely watch people crack packs and everybody does it in their own little different way to, you know, provide the most value out of, you know, tearing open a piece of cellophane as they can possibly squeeze out of it.
0: Yeah. Again, not making Magic players happy ever. What was that arena event where like you could buy back in? It was like twenty dollars, and if you like got two losses, you oh, could yeah, like yeah. buy it back was in. A, a, arena open or whatever. Yeah, which we have one this this weekend, apparently. Oh, do we really? In historic. Oh man, get, I had no idea. Get hype, yeah. Yeah. Advertising, folks. This is a yeah. this is a real company, but people were like, "Oh, this is exploitative because some people who play Magic have gambling issues," Right. right? I feel like a lot of the products that wizards have made mm-hmm. uh, recently are like super hard leaning into that. Yeah. Like, Hey, here's this hundred dollar pack. Maybe you open $400 worth of stuff. Oh, you open $70 worth of stuff. Get Maybe another one. Next time. Yeah. Get another one. And this is like, Hey, you opened a, a set booster. And eh, it was pretty much like a regular booster. But you might get one that has three rares in it. Right. You should get another one. <laughs> do it, and it's like, ah, oh, oh, gotta, gotta get an- another one, just, just, just one yeah, more. But,
1: like at the same time, though, they're also releasing products that have nothing to do with gambling. The last unset we got was not in booster packs. It wasn't. No, unsanctioned. They were pre-con decks. Uh, okay. I mean, there was only like twenty new cards in it, but still, it was you know a pre con thing. There there was no randomness to it. They've been doing the spell books, which I mean, they do. You do get a random foil, but it's those fifteen or twenty cards or whatever. Like, there's no there's no randomness outside of which foil you're going
0: to get. Speaking about spell books, I went to uh, the local game store to pick up an order because you know I'm still a degenerate and will occasionally buy cards, and I feel bad if I don't go pick them up. Because yeah. like I feel like he could sell them, and I'm keeping him from making money. Yeah. So I went down, and there are so many Chandra spell books in the case. He went hard on Chandra spell books. Okay, I was like, are they just not selling? No, he he sold like three quarters of what he had. Okay, wow, because there were so many.
1: Yeah, no, he he went hard on on them.
0: Okay, okay, so what is in? A set booster. So set boosters are laid out, I guess, kind of
1: similar to a normal booster, but more akin to like a mystery booster where each position in the pack is its own slot. And it's not exactly like mystery boosters where there's like a separate sheet for each slot, but each slot has, it's going to be the same thing in each booster. So the first slot in every pack is going to be an art card. Um, like we got in Modern Horizons, where it's you know a nice, super glossy, full card size piece of art from an art in the set. And I don't know how many are going to be in every set, but I think they said for Zendikar there's going to be a, around eighty. And just for like reference, I think there was fifty four in Modern Horizons. Yeah, something like that. And then one in twenty five of these will have a gold embossed artist signature on the art card so like one Ooh. per box yeah which i mean it's kind of cool like if i open a piece of super sick sub art i would i would like to have a, a shiny gold sub signature on it yeah
0: so the thing here is that the like modern horizons art cards are like worth nothing right so like if you don't open a super sick piece of sub art with a gold signature on it I'm sure that if you had two quarters, you could procure one. True, except that my counterpoint
1: is that I remember when Modern Horizons first came out and we were cracking a bunch of it and like looking for excuses to crack more packs like a pre-release. Somebody I know was trying to collect them all despite them having little to no value.
0: Yeah, and he's too short and stopped. <laughs>
1: Even though they're no value, I mean it's still like something kind of cool, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like if you get a favorite card, like sometimes it might be cool. Like if you really like I don't know, like Goblin Chain Whirler, and there was a Goblin Chain Whirler art card, maybe you pick a couple up and like keep it in your deck box for a token or something. I don't
2: know.
1: Okay, so that's slot one. Slot two. Slot two is a land. In Zendikar, these will be full art basics because there are full art basics in this set. But they also did say that the lands in this slot can change set to set. So just because they're only basic lands that are full art in Zendikar does not mean that whatever is in this slot in some future set is going to be a full art
0: or even just a basic land. Core 2022 uh i'm telling you right now game lands boom blossoming sands woo! could be i guess i don't know okay
1: and 15 um,
0: of the time the land will be a foil
1: right which is kind of cool yeah i mean especially if it's you know a full art land or like they did with core 21 the showcase lands yeah. Like those are kind of cool to get foil or if it was in Theros and we got those Nix lands and foil, those are, those are really pretty. Yeah. I don't know. It, I don't think the slots are dud, just like I don't, I don't necessarily, even though there's no value in it, I don't necessarily think that the, uh, the artist card slots are dud either. I think that's kind of neat. Yeah. It doesn't have to be worth money to be cool. Fair. Even though like typically those things are linked, I don't think they have to be linked. So slots three through eight. So that's six slots are going to be commons and commons slash uncommons. They said that these are all going to share something. So they will be like on theme. Either they're going to be all story cards that tell you a story across them, or they will all have similar mechanics or they'll all have the same card type. They'll all be creatures. They'll all be enchantments, whatever. There's going to be something that will tie all of these six cards together for whatever reason. And that's probably something that somebody else cares a lot about out that I don't care about. So yes. If that's your thing, this is a cool thing for you. They also said that these can be upshifted. So the commons can be upshifted to uncommon randomly. I, I, I didn't think I worked out what the percentages were. They were in the article. At least one of these is guaranteed to be uncommon, but they can all be uncommon. Yeah. And... I mean, I guess that only really matters if there's like a chase uncommon, like Fatal Push or something, but not every set has those. Next step. So we, then we yeah. have The
0: Head Turner. What was that? The Head Turner.
1: Yeah. You didn't see my head
0: whip around there. I didn't. No, no. <laughs> Could you hear it? A little. The okay. whoosh, the whoosh <laughs> as the beard went by. The whoosh. So what's slot nine? The Head Turner. The Head Turner someone with a whiteboard somewhere is so proud of themselves for coming up with head Turner.
1: So it's funny that you say that. Cause I've watched a couple videos trying to get like some different perspectives on these set boosters. And just about everybody has said that these exact terms for like these cards are straight off of like a salesman's handbook or whatever, or somebody that does storyboards or like they're straight out of marketing. Yeah Like the head turner The fireworks Whatever
0: Yeah It's just like Someone in marketing Was like What if we did this Yeah What if we gave them Less cardboard But charged them A dollar (laughs) more You know what I would do That'd be fireworks For me man Fireworks Yeah Alright So Head turner Yep This is a common Or an uncommon Showcase card Mm -hmm. or, Or something That is yet To be announced
1: Yeah. So the thing, the other thing that can be in this slot for Zendikar has not been announced yet. There is something else that can be here. It has not been announced yet. And there is also, I don't know if you read today's article on the mothership. I did not. It it had like three sections in it that were redacted. Okay. That it said to check back to this article at a later date and the information will be there. Which I thought was weird. I don't, I don't know what's happening there.
0: Someone at marketing in marketing has done too much coke in quarantine. <laughs> yeah. I got an idea, man. Make it like the X Files. Uh, is this an alien plane? No man, <laughs> adventures. It's like, we'll be like the truth is out there, man. Come back, <laughs> like, dude, calm down. Like, you can know, only can see you on this Zoom call. <laughs> yeah, man. It's like, oh God. Anyway, so coked up marketing guy. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so... so...
1: I'm thinking this is like in Icoria, we had the showcase cards, which were like the comic book art, and then we also had alternate named versions of cards, like the Godzilla stuff. So I'm assuming that this slot is going to be like your showcase card or some other themed something. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, that's just my guess. They, they actually didn't say that, but... Then we have slots 10 and 11... These they're calling the wild card slots. They can be any rarity and contain showcase cards at rare and mythic. So you're not going to get common or uncommon showcase cards. They're only in slot nine. If you get a showcase card in slots 10 or 11, it's going to be a rare or mythic showcase card. Okay. And they also said that just under a quarter of the packs will have at least one extra rare or mythic. Gotcha. So for whatever that's worth, it's like 23% of packs will have at least one extra rare mythic. And that'll probably be in this slot, I think. Gotcha. And then we have slot 12 is a rare mythic slot, just like you would have in a normal booster pack. It's a rare mythic. Okay. Slot 13 is a foil slot, just like a master's set or mystery boosters. Every pack had a foil. Every one of these set boosters is going to have a foil. This is the slot where that will be. And this can also be a rare mythic. And then we have one more slot, the slot that you were alluding to in the pre-show. This is the add slash token slot. Or is it? I don't know. Tell me. Because it also has a chance, one in four, to be a card out of a 300 card pool. That will shift around between sets, and they will be like mystery boosters. So whatever cards are in this set, and they said so they're going to make changes to it, like as sets go on, they're not going to completely redo the whole 300 list, but they will add and subtract cards in between sets. These are going to be reprinted reprints from Magic's history, and they will be in the original border with the original art and set symbol and they will have a little tiny Planeswalker symbol in the corner, just like Mystery Booster cards.
0: I feel like this was a lot of information to take in.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of information to take in while the Pro Tour was happening. Yeah,
2: I
0: <laughs> I do appreciate that you... Uh, I don't know if you put the emphasis on this or if they did. Our, our second thing here at the end of this is will not have fetches. Well, <laughs> they
1: specifically said that. That was part of the announcement was that This is not the place where the fetch lands will be.
0: Awesome. Yep. Awesome.
1: Yep. These are also, because they're from Magic's history, if you get a card in this slot that's not an ad token or whatever, like, these cards may not be standard legal.
0: Fair, fair. So. (sighs) Just so, so much. So they're basically charging an extra dollar Mm -hmm. for the like 23% chance that you're gonna get an extra rare mythic?
1: Yeah, I mean, kind of. You're guaranteed a foil in every pack, which you aren't in a normal booster. And then you have a couple slots that are like you're taking a chance on. You have a chance at getting something cool in the token slot. You have a chance at getting an extra rare mythic in the foil slot. You have a chance at getting, you know, other rarity cards at the slot 10 and 11. And you have a chance at getting, you know, an artist signed art card, whatever. I don't know. I think it's kinda cool. I don't hate the product. No. I just don't think we need so many products. Like yeah. the product itself is cool. I mean they're they are a hundred percent correct. There are things that they do to booster packs because people draft them that don't necessarily affect, you know, somebody like you or I. Yeah.
0: I mean, so part of So, there's this interesting thing, like, because of all the different arts and stuff, right, Mm -hmm. that has really depressed the value of, like, a regular pack rare. Oh, yeah. Big time. And now you've got a product that gives you a foil in every pack, Mm -hmm. which will basically render pretty much all the foils at common and uncommon, unless there's, like an eternal playable uncommon right. basically worthless right cuz if you think about if yeah. you sell as many of these boosters as you do the draft as you did the draft as you do the draft boosters right if there's mm-hmm. a let's say in a given set there's a million packs that are bought if mm-hmm. they were only draft boosters right there's a whatever a one in four chance or one in five chance of getting a foil mm-hmm. right you get a you there'd be a quarter of a million foils in the world. If right. you sell half draft boosters in half these, yeah. you're guaranteed to have like six hundred and twenty five thousand foils foils yeah. in the world. You've just all you've like two and a half times the number of foils that mm-hmm. you would have in a normal in a normal set. So foils are going to be way, way cheaper. A lot less special. Yeah, than they've been. Right. So I feel like they have, with all of the showcase and alternate arts and full art and all the different things that they've done, Mm -hmm. right, they've taken the value of a pack card Mm -hmm. and like taken the price, taken the value down on that. You know, a lot of times one of the, selling points that you'll hear people talk about for draft is like oh you can like do a draft and leave the store and you have cards that have value that you can trade Mm -hmm. or something like that's not going to be the case yeah anymore right like the five dollar rare is now like a dollar right right like yeah because i mean we've seen people that like well do a draft, take their rares, sell them to the store, and store credit to do another draft. Oh yeah, yeah, it's actually pretty common, right? I mean, getting harder and harder to do that. Yeah, with collector boosters and mm-hmm. uh, showcase arts and all this stuff. Yep,
1: that's actually a point that I
0: had in the show notes later on. Oh man, that's all right.
1: I was- figured I'd let you go with it. You were on a roll.
0: I should, I should read the <laughs> show notes. That's all right. All right, so. That's what's in the pack, and Brian's first, like, there are just so many foils now. But, there are. There, there's so much everything. So we kind of feel like there's a problem, yeah. as in trench players, and I think we've touched on this before, yeah. but just, like, the sheer number of products right. that are raining down on our heads. So four times
1: a year... So for every normal magic set that comes out, we now have draft boosters, collector boosters, set boosters, deck builders toolkit, bundle booster box, set booster box, collector booster box, theme boosters, welcome boosters, pre-con decks, pre-release kits, buy a box promos, box topper promos, bundle promos, and FNM promos. (sighs) Yeah, that was a mouthful. (laughs) Yeah. So. And then on top of that, things that aren't released you know with a normal magic set four times a year we also have secret Lair drops mystery boosters and convention edition edition mystery boosters jumpstart spellbook master sets ancillary sets and this is like commander legends the unsets and conspiracy we have digital only sets for arena amonkhet remastered pioneer masters and then we have all of the other stuff that doesn't kind of fit into any of these categories like Game Nights, the Anthologies, Arch Enemy, Plane Chase, Explorers of Exelon, Heroes of Dominaria, all that kind of other weird stuff.
0: So I want to be honest with you right now. Yeah. If you asked me to describe Explorers of Ixalan, yeah, I would not Go be able that. to... It involved pirates and merfolk? in a, a, a dinosaur. Heroes of Dominaria. No clue. That was the other one. I'm like, no clue what that is.
1: Yeah, me neither. I didn't know either of those products existed until I was trying to search for the sheer number of things that come out every year.
0: In Wizards defense, as they often say, that product might not be for you. Yeah, I can't tell you what that product is. It must not have been for me. The enfranchised gives you multiple hundreds of dollars every set release player. That's not for them. Not for me. So, when I first saw the Set Booster announcement, yeah. I was just like, what am I supposed to buy? Like, I mean, what do you buy? What is the thing that best serves me? I was
1: going to say, I think that it depends on what kind of cards that you want. Do you want regular cards, pack foils, pre-release foils, promo pack cards, promo pack foils showcase cards, showcased foils, box topper cards, alternate like Godzilla framed cards, it depends what kind of cards you like.
0: But it just, it it just seems so hard. Yeah. Right? Like I don't
1: I don't know how you're supposed to
0: explain this to somebody that hasn't played the game before. I think you just have to dumb it down and be like draft booster. Yeah. But what's this other thing? Don't worry about it. Well, I mean I don't I don't even know if that's the right answer though
1: like is buying draft boosters worthwhile if for a dollar more you can hit more i like one pack per booster box maybe two of a draft set you're gonna get two rare mythics yeah and that's gonna happen five times six times in a draft booster or a set booster
0: how many packs are in a set booster box 30 30 so like seven yeah yeah i just feel like if someone asks you like hey what could you imagine going to the store and being like hey can i get a pack of zendikar yeah and then them having to be like can you be more specific <laughs> yeah. and then you going no i want a pack do you want a draft booster a collector booster or a set booster or a theme booster or a theme booster Let I me mean, let me help you no on the theme booster. So, um, do <laughs> you want a set booster, a collector booster, a draft booster? And then like the shopkeep having to explain yeah. the difference between right. them.
1: Yeah. Especially for like I said, somebody new or somebody younger or whatever. Like I remember when I was a kid, we had a like a county park that was about three quarters of a mile from my house. And the park was eight miles long. And my house growing up was like on the outskirts of a town, like almost at the border to another town. And this park, you could go all the way along the lake to like the middle of the next town over. So as a kid playing magic, I vividly remember hopping on my bike, riding my bike to the park, riding my bike eight miles down the side of this lake through this park, out into the middle of the town, And there was a comic book store right there and I would scrounge up all my change and like once a week or whatever, I would go into that comic store and I would buy a pack and I got to choose from Chronicles, fallen empires or homelands. (laughs) Those weren't great
0: choices, but there were only three of them. There are only three. They were three different sets. Could right. you imagine little James after riding uphill both ways in the snow <laughs> to to his comic book shop being like, do you want a Chronicles set booster? Do you want a Chronicles collector booster? Do you want a draft only booster? I my lunch money. I can't afford a collector booster. Exactly. I didn't have a drink for lunch all week so <laughs> I could have one booster pack. I gave up my milk in a bag all week long. Just so I could come open, so I could give you $3 and open 15 cents worth of Homelands cards. (laughs) Um, I was just like, I'm an franchise player, and you're just giving me too much. Now, you know, a lot of these things, like, I just ignore. Mm -hmm. But, like, I don't have to be onboarded into the game. And I can just kind of go, like, eh, I'll do this, right? But it just seems like a lot of decisions. And, okay, I understand that draft boosters are for people to draft. Right. And I understand that collector's boosters are for people who want fancy cards. Yeah, deep pockets. Is the set booster for, like, you just want to crack a box and get as many rares as possible? Basically, I think so. I was initially
1: a lot more negative about this whole set booster thing than I am currently because I had some time to digest it. And I think that this one is for me. Like that's kind of a running joke because Wizards has said, oh, you know, maybe this product's not for you. Whenever, you know, there was something critical about one of their products. Well, maybe it's just not for you. I think this one probably is for me though. Like I don't love playing. I mean, I play limited, but I don't love it but I do, you know, open a bunch of packs. I like opening packs. And if kind of like what what I was saying about the art cards, like sure, there's no value in that slot, but it's kind of cool. Like I'm it adds it adds something to the booster pack even though it's not monetary value.
2: Yeah. And there is
1: a chance to get more than one rare and you're guaranteed a foil and you're guaranteed a showcase card. And for a dollar more, yeah, I think that's worth it to me. Okay. They like one of the things that they said in this announcement that, like, initially I had kind of glossed over, but now makes more sense is that something I forget what the number they said was like, only 30% of draft boosters are drafted with, like, of all the boosters that are opened, only 30% are used to draft with, which means 70% of the draft boosters are opened just
0: to open. Fair, so but do they? If- do they, do they chop out, like, Star City?
2: Do they yeah, chop out it, Channel Fireball? Because,
0: yeah. right, like, if it's 30% of your boosters are open to draft, mm-hmm. that doesn't sound like a lot. But if 50% of your boosters are open by Channel Fireball, Star City, and right. just, like, LGSs cracking packs to get inventory, yeah, then, you know, that becomes 60%... Of the of the half that are actually opened by people, so it's like, oh, way more of these are drafted than we than we think. But yeah, yeah I mean, I could see if you if your argument is is that most people just draft open packs to get cards, and this is a yeah. way for them to get more cards.
1: Well, I mean, think about like think about our LGS though. Like normally, when a set rolls out, he'll order somewhere between 60 and 80 boxes. And that usually lasts him a good portion of the way through the set's lifespan. How many of those boxes are actually drafted with 10?
0: I don't know. It depends on, depends on the set and like, yeah,
1: no, it definitely depends on the set, but if you're drafting twice a week with, uh, okay, we'll call it three drafts a week of eight people, but you know, obviously some of that is, yeah. You know, if it's, if one it's event.
0: three of eight, That's 72 packs a week. That's two boxes.
1: Yeah. So two boxes over two months, three months is... 24, if it's three months. Okay. So 24 box, does that mean 60 or 80? Yeah. I mean, that's that's still a lot less than is open to, you know, just to open.
0: Yeah. I guess, is there a vocal part of the... Of the magic community, or was there that was like, uh, I hate opening these stupid draft boosters.
1: I mean, probably not. But um, there was there was a pretty big vocal part of the community that was like, we don't like collector boosters because they're twenty something dollars a piece, and they sell out constantly. Yeah, and they sell out immediately. Like this is something that's more akin. Like the, the problem with collector boosters is that people wanted them but didn't want to spend the money on them and they were hard to get. Yeah. So this is a reasonable portion of a collector booster that's not limited print run and is only a dollar more than a normal
0: booster pack. So something I said when, I, when this first came out mm. was I guess it's just time to only buy singles. Yeah. Because yeah. like it just seems like There's one, there's so many products Mm -hmm. and with our first three draft collector and set boosters, it just seems like you're going to flood the market with your rares and your uncommons. Yeah. It's going to be really hard for stuff to hold value. I think I've got a stack of rares, uncommons and foils over that I need to like put in a box, but they're all sorted from mm-hmm. m21 right and it's cards that i thought could get played in eternal formats i thought i might play in standard but that will probably never happen and like cards that i was kind of like specking on mm-hmm. and i spent 200 dollars, and i have way more cards than i would have got way more rares than i would have got for the same amount of money for opening two boxes. for two boxes Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it was like, I have four full art containment priests and four regular containment priests. Yeah. Because why not? And I could not do that if I bought, like, boxes, right? I'd spend $200 on my two boxes and then have to spend another $100 to fill out the rest of the cards that I wanted.
1: Yeah, and not only that, but like when throne came out and they first showed us the showcase frames or whatever, one of the points that I made was I don't like cracking product of this to get my collection because you end up with like three different versions of a card. Yeah. Well, now that problem is like even more amplified because we have like alternate named cards or whatever and different promo cards and everything else. Like you, you crack a box and you you might have six copies of a card, but have
0: no play sets of a card. What was it like to fairy? Uh, the yeah. new one. There were yeah. like thirty something different arts for the card. Right. By the time you factor in like the four different arts, then the f- right. then four different frames, and then four different frames again, then all the foils. Yep. Like there was a bajillion different arts, and then you could go like the the stamped version, the pre-release version, whatever, right? There's a ton of different yeah. versions of that card. And yeah, you're just going to have like all these different versions. Yeah. And it just seems like rares right now just don't have any value. And this might change once we like, you know, get out of quarantine, whenever that happens. Yeah. Right. But rares just don't have any value. Yeah. There's a, there's kind
1: of one other issue with all of this, like the product overload. And that's that with no MSRP, not only do you have to keep track of all of these different products that come along with every set, but you also have to keep track of the prices because from like the start of pre-orders to the end of a set's life, the prices of those products change almost daily. Like if you look at collector boosters or whatever, or like the VIP boosters for double master's. I've, I saw them pre-selling for as low as $80, and I, now that they're in demand and the cards look good, I'm seeing them for like $160. Oh, my so God. So depending on when you look to buy some of this stuff, Like, not only do you have to know whether you're shopping for draft boosters, set boosters, collector boosters, theme boosters, you know, whatever, but you also kind of have to time when you want to buy it because the prices are already in flux. Like, that kind of raises the level of complexity just to get your toes into this game. Why would people even bother? You know what I mean?
0: Well, you know, you're coming at it from an entrenched player's like, oh, hey... I've gotta like watch the prices, right? Yeah. But this can just lead to like feel bads. Oh let's, yeah. Let's well, say that's that, exactly what I mean. Let's say that you you for some reason decide that you want to buy a VIP booster of this upcoming set, mm-hmm. and you go on Amazon, and it's a hundred and twenty dollars. Right. Right. And you buy one. Mhm. And then. You talk to a friend who's like, oh, yeah, I got mine for 90 Right. And you're like, w- why? It's the same thing. $30? I could have bought five set boosters. Yeah. like So it's like, like I think it's going to lead, like the no MSRP is going to lead to people that feel like they got ripped off. Mm-hmm. And maybe that reflects on the seller and not so much on Wizards. Right. But like, I still think it could reflect on Wizards. Like, I don't want to... It's is too complicated. I don't want to feel well, like I'm getting taken.
1: I mean, it reflects on the seller by design, though. Like, there's only one reason why you do away with MSRP, and it's- that's so that, you know, when you come out with these, uh, how many was it, 16 different products for every set, that you can let somebody else figure out what they want to charge, and it doesn't look bad on you. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to make a product for the whales and we'll let you guys tell us what you're charging for them. We don't care. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to make a product just for the drafters and we'll let you guys tell us what you want to charge for them. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, but there still comes the uh, like, they don't, they might not set MSRP, mm-hmm. but when a wholesaler or, you know, when, when a distributor contacts Wizards and yeah. goes, I want to buy a case of Double Masters. Yeah, and Wizard says that'll be a hundred and seventy dollars. Yeah, like, well, then the distributor has to make it cost one ninety or two hundred. Right, and then the game store's got to mark it up from there. Yeah, so like, even if they don't like publish an MSRP, yeah, they are setting a price. Yeah, and you know, it's weird. It's a weird thing where like. They just keep giving us the same like physical thing. Right. That cost them the exact same amount to produce. hmm And they're like this one's slightly prettier. Yeah. So we're going to charge you five times as much.
1: Welcome to the world of marketing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's the uh, oh gosh what is the term for this? Someone where like uh it's not false economy. It's like things are desirable just because they're expensive. Not, oh, that, they're, yeah, yeah, not yeah. that there's any difference in it. It's just right. well this one's three hundred dollars, so I'm buying it because it's a status symbol. Right.
1: It's the same the same way like if you go to a grocery store, three of the different brands on the shelf all come out of the same factory, but they got you know Lowe's brand, or you know whatever they there's yeah. like three different brands on them. It's the same stuff inside, but they're at three different price points.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I will. I will say that there is a difference between frosted mini wheats and sh- shredded oats, frosted oat squares, or whatever. The heck well, the...
1: Sure, but like, what's the difference between Lowe's brand canned corn and you know bird's eye canned corn?
0: Fair. It's still corn. Even... It is canned. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's corn in a can. Yeah.
1: Um, one costs a dollar and one costs a dollar sixty.
0: Yeah, there's definitely uh, some of that going on. Yeah, but it, it is it is weird. Like you know, again, being that player and going in and buying a booster, mm-hmm. and you get a draft booster, and then the person after you gets a set booster. Right. And you're sitting there and you both open their open them. It's like, wow, you yeah. got way way different cards than I got. Yeah. And it's like, well, how come your pack was so different than mine? Mine was a dollar more. Yeah, mine was a dollar more. Oh, oh, well, well that's. Had
2: all that
1: for an extra dollar.
0: Yeah, so I, I don't know. It just feels yeah. like there's like some well, feel bad aspect to it.
1: So what I think's gonna happen is that these set boosters are going to kind of replace the packs that you see in the showcase at your LGS, and you know stores will order. Sealed draft boosters for drafting with, but I don't know that they're necessarily going to be like you know on display for sale. I think that that's what the set booster is going to be. Like, if you come in and ask for a pack instead of getting a draft booster, you're going to get a set booster instead. Yeah, especially since like there's they haven't they I guess they really haven't said either way, but they have not said that this is like a limited print run like they do with collector boosters or like one run and done. Like, you get the initial allocation, and then there's no more. Um, this does not sound like it's going to be like that. From what I understand, these set boosters are going to be available for the lifespan of the product.
0: Yeah. I guess I see where they're coming from, but I don't know. It It is just to the point where it's, like, super complicated.
1: I mean, it's also not super fair to the LGS, right? I mean, you kind of touched on this briefly a little while ago, but... Like, your LGS now has to stock a whole nother kind of product, especially in a time where a lot of game stores don't have a whole lot of extra capital to tie up in
0: product to set on the shelf. Yeah, and, like, I think the first few sets will be difficult because, well, how many set boosters do you need? Yeah. Versus how many draft boosters do you need? Right. Versus how many, like, there's this new product and it's, like, introducing extra risk into... Like I said, a point yeah. in the world where we need to minimize risk in all areas. Right. So I I miss the simpler times where you had a a booster. Mm-hmm. And there was usually like one other product associated with a set. Like there was a booster, Whoa. a fat pack, and maybe a deck builder's toolkit, but those were usually only for core sets. Yeah, like
1: sometimes we had those... Um... I don't even remember what they were called. Dual decks or whatever. Yeah, but there was something besides a dual deck. They were event decks? Were they
0: event decks? They were the modern event decks. Yeah, they were like the uh, like the pre-con decks that you were supposed to just be able to buy and play at your FNM. Yeah, you could
1: buy them and it was two decks and you could like play them against each other. Or there was a list inside where you could combine them and make one deck that was supposed to be like FNM level competitive. What was it there was like
0: the Zer uh Zerda versus someone. There someone like well El- there was the one
1: for like fate reforged that had uh like a windswept heath and a collected company in it or something
0: yeah those were the I forget where those were but yeah yeah there were those but then there was also one that had like the two decks yeah it was like you know two like themed things before you would go into a set <laughs> yeah uh Yeah, like, where it was just, like, a handful of things where you were, like, okay, four times a year a set comes Mm -hmm. out and then there would be, like, a supplemental product. Like, it was Modern Masters, then Conspiracy, then Modern Masters Mm 2, then something, like, it, like, alternated. Yeah. And, like, I feel like the... You know 2015 number of sets that were released right have been released since like
1: june oh 100 yeah
0: right like we say especially if you if you count ikoria since Iqoria to now i think there have been more magic products released than there mm-hmm. were or major products released than there were in like 2015 oh i'm sure there are and it's like how
1: I would say that this year, starting in January, there have been more products released this year when nobody's working and nobody has money, but there have been more products released this year than there were the entire time from when I got back into Magic until January. Like, if you count if you count all the secret layers and stuff.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, the secret layers. Yeah, there's so many of those. Yeah. It just feels like, I said this before, like, there's the the math problem that it was mm. like, you know, if you sell 10 tickets at $40, but yeah. if you make the tickets $80 and you sell 6, you make more money. Mm. So your ticket should cost $80. Right? Right? So like, you know, you figure out the 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 optimum place that like maximizes the number of tickets sold, right, versus the price. Yeah. Right? And it feels like Wizards is just like, if we just keep giving them products, they just keep spending their money. Yeah. So we were leaving, we were leaving money, we were leaving money on the table. Yeah. But if we just keep making products, they just keep buying them. So we have to keep doing this. And I just had like an evil thought. Is this maybe why like we've seen power creep, right? Well, we have, to, we have to make the cards desirable enough for people to buy. Mm-hmm. Be- because, Maybe. like, hey, you know, we've released all these sets. Now we've got a really... The next set we release has to have something that makes people want to open the packs. Yeah. So we have to have something in there just to make sure that, well, you had to open Core 21 for your Ugin. Right. and you have to get now you, uh, you know double masters is your chance to get these full art cards Yeah, and okay well now we're going to hit you with Zendikar and we have to put special yet to be named thing in there or we have to put this you know two mana planeswalker yeah. in there so you open that and it's just like ugh because like we we stressed out about Modern Horizons after Core Twenty, yeah, <laughs> right, and we were like, oh man, like it just feels like we went one into the in the next, yeah, it and feels like, like nothing now, yeah, and it's like well, there's gonna be three products if you count the Arena cat thing, or yeah, four, right. it's gonna be like Core Jumpstart. I forgot Jumpstart even happened. Yeah, Jumpstart Core Jumpstart <laughs> Double Masters a Cat remastered, yeah, Zendikar, right. And it's like, and we were like, oh man, I can't. Like, we were like, they yeah, can't. There's two more sets after Zendikar this year. <sighs> but you know, a year ago we were like, oh mm-hmm. man, we can't go. Well, they could never go core set into like another like Modern Horizons into another set. That was just, they were just two on top of each other. They were too close, so the sets didn't have room to breathe. And they were Once like, said, "Hold my, hold, beer. yeah, hold my beer." I bet you we can yeah. stick two more sets in there. Yeah. So.
1: Um, like, how, how do you explain all this to somebody coming in off of arena? Like in arena, there's only one pack to buy.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's one you pack. I mean? <laughs> you just click the buy pack button, and you get packs. Right. So somebody that's used to, you know, getting their
1: cards off of arena, this is I would imagine that this is a huge shock to the system. That now, you know, the same card that you didn't really have to work for, you just spent your wild cards on and bought from opening a couple packs, you now have to decide which booster pack to buy or,
0: you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it might just come down to what you were saying, like there might only really be one pack it might just be the set booster and the draft boosters are hidden behind the counter for when there's a draft yeah and we just don't mess with those anymore because like you know stores have to like simplify it for you know inventory and just so that they're not like doing a what are we at now an hour-long dissertation on the pack (laughs) each time they go (laughs) to make a sale right right so so I, think, I
1: actually I went I went down to go talk to Anthony on my lunch break today, and you know what he had to say about all this? What's the
0: set booster? Exactly. He said they what? <laughs> <laughs> and he's gonna yeah. put in that order soon.
1: Yeah, uh, actually that order should already be in.
0: You and I, I think this has come across. We are both kind of frustrated by this. I am by- very frustrated by all this. Right. Where does your frustration come from? So why do I even want to bother?
1: Like I can't play with any of these cards anyway for at least the next four months, probably longer than that. Right? Yeah. So why bother? Why should I even bother anymore? Keeping track of all of this and worrying about, you know, am I getting the best deal today or should I wait till next week or should I've already bought it two weeks ago or You know, do I want to buy a booster box to keep on the shelf in case, like me and some buddies, want to draft at some later point, or should I just get a couple boxes of set boosters and crack them for singles, or should I just buy my singles, or do I want to really roll the dice and get some collector boosters to try and get some shiny stuff, or you know, or any any of these other products that are coming out at the exact same time? Why should I even bother with any of this? I don't know. Yeah, hundred percent honest yeah i mean i i have exactly one deck sleeved right now we were talking about this the other day i have one deck sleeved right now and it is simic mutate that i put together the weekend of a Korea pre-release that is full of i went out and i bought from the local game store after they cracked their packs i bought all of the showcase cards because i thought they were awesome so the deck is full of showcase cards and it has never been shuffled.
0: I think the last time I played with a physical game of Magic was in February. Yeah, and the dumpster player open. Yeah, shortly thereafter. Um, mm-hmm. but I have like I got two boxes of Icoria to support the local game store, and like I said, mm-hmm. for this time I was just like I, I can't really justify it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just gonna buy. Like I said, I'm gonna kind of buy a bunch of what effectively come down to, like specs or things i things that i think it'd be good long term. Yeah,
1: which um, i think was smart for this set. I mean, i think the prices are artificially low right now, so i think that that was probably a good move.
0: Right? And so i don't know if like that's going to continue with all these different products yeah, I putting don't know seemingly like it seems like every time f- we start to get a handle on MTG finance with like in print sets right like they just blow something up so like right. up to throne we had a pretty good idea of like what a played rare should cost mm-hmm. what a played mythic should cost how much an uncommon that's like played modern is like we had a good right. like sense of the numbers for those cards because we had you know five years since we've been back in the game right to base this on mm-hmm. and then there were collector boosters, and it's like, oh man, all these uncommons are pretty cheap, right. and all these rares that aren't the fancy ones are pretty cheap. Right. And then like, like okay, Theros, and it's like okay, and then you go to Ikoria, and it's like, all right, well now there's this kind of card and this kind of card, okay, right. and now you're you're gonna be like all these different kinds of cards and all these different ways to get at them. You just got to kind of change the numbers of cards that are, like, available.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've also shifted around the percentages since uh, since Throne. They changed the mythic rate in a pack. They changed the foil rate in a pack. I knew
0: they changed the foil rate. They changed the mythic rate as well?
1: Yeah, yeah, they decreased it slightly. In, in a normal draft booster, they've decreased it sli- sli- slightly. Or okay. in- increased the chance, decreased the number of packs, whatever.
0: Okay, so it's slightly you have a slightly Slightly higher chance to open a mythic yeah in a given pack okay and now they've
1: effectively done that again by changing the way the booster pack works
0: right yeah because like now you have a greater chance of getting rares so rares and mythics but they're just all going to be more available right which on one hand like we like You know, the argument of it's a game, the game pieces should be easy to come by, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: right? This accomplishes that. But on the other hand, right, like as a collectible thing, like there, it starts to make it so opening packs other than like scratching the like, I'm a degenerate itch. Yeah. Doesn't. Buying $100 booster packs. Yeah. Doesn't accomplish anything. Right. right, like you're just losing money most of the time.
1: So when I went to our LGS today and was visiting with my buddy Anthony, that is exactly what he said almost verbatim. I explained to him about the new booster pack. I explained to him what all was in the pack. And his words were, they're trying to put me out of business. And I said, well, it, it's certainly going to make it tougher for you. And he goes, no, they're actually trying to put me out of business because this is going to do nothing except drive the singles price down. He said, all of my business, or the majority of the profit that I make is on singles. It's not on sealed product. Yeah. And all this does, same thing with the collector boosters, is it drives the price of singles down.
0: And I mean, there's also this other thing, which is, so I can play pretty much any deck I want to play on Arena. Mm-hmm. I have the cards for, right? Right. I spent around fifty dollars mm-hmm. to get every card.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now I can't get that. I can't extract any value out of that fifty dollars. Right. But I spent fifty dollars and I have all the game pieces I want mm-hmm. for the set. Right. It's way harder to do that in in a regular set. Yeah. Right? Like, I spent $50 on drafts, and I got all the cards.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And if you spend $50 in drafts, you're going to see 15 packs worth of cards. Right. Right? At $10 a piece for a draft. You know, if it's 15, you're going to see 9 packs. Right. Like, 9 rares that you, like, open and get first pick of.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Like, you know, the economy there is not good either for if you're an LGS. Like, why am I going right. to spend... to do a draft right when I can spend five and do it on arena. Yeah.
1: Well, so you want to talk about arena for a minute?
0: (laughs) I guess, I guess we can. Yeah. So we're frustrated. One
1: of my frustrations.
0: So we're frustrated because like can't play with my cards and you're giving me a million ways to buy them. Right. And then the next frustration is the formats aren't good. No, they're not like,
1: historic was awesome for a week maybe <laughs> a week maybe because it was all new and there were all these new co- like you wanted to try them all out and there was elves and there was soul sisters and there was cut this combo and like every single time I signed up for a historic match it was something different they were you know it wasn't all the same Whoops. and
0: now it's all goblins <laughs> It's a lot, like, I've been playing best of one. I had a neat deck, I was doing well, and then proceeded, like, I did well for, like, three days. The meta shifted, and it was like, oh, well, oops. Um, But, like, it seems like we're kind of to, there's goblins, Mm -hmm. there's field of the dead decks, Mm -hmm. there's, like, hard control To fight those decks. And then a smattering of, like, you know, 10% of other turn 4 combo Uh and aggro decks that are trying to, like, desperately get under Field of the Dead and, like, hoping that Goblins doesn't Goblins them. Yeah. And, like, I think this, you know, we've talked
1: about it on the show before, but this isn't anything new either. It's every time a set comes out, every time there's more cards added to the pool, every time there's a banning, every time anything happens, the format is at least different, but usually fun for about a week. And, and then it's all of the same thing all of the time.
0: It homogenizes and goes to... Yeah. Uh, you know, the same... It go, homogenizes and then say, go to the same things, same words. <laughs> they It homogenizes and then the format just you're just trying to ring tiny edges out or you're like at this like rock, paper, scissors thing where you're just like, well, can't win this matchup. Yeah. Or like, oh, yeah. hey, I'm playing a deck that is good, but in this meta game is just awful and so I can't play it. Right. It, uh, it homogenizes and then stagnates. How's that? There we go. And I brought this up that like the problem with jumpstart is Mm -hmm. if you look at Jumpstart putting cards in Historic, so Standard is too small for Arena because there aren't enough cards for people to pick through and figure out what's good over the course of a month. Mm -hmm. It takes a week right? or it takes four days, and you're like, oh, this is the best thing to do, and we're done. And, you know, there might be some, like, Tinkering on the edges or a new deck might pop up because of where the metagame is. But for the most part, you know what the best two decks are within Mm -hmm. about a week. Yeah, if not almost immediately. Historic, we talked about this before, was kind of ignored. Right. So you kind of got to do whatever you wanted. And they're doing this PT or this arena open in Historic. So that Mm -hmm. has led people to focus on the format and try to break it. And standard has been so bad that all these content producers and all these websites have started producing historic content Yeah. because people were like, I don't want to play standard. I don't want to read about standard. I know team erects the best deck. Right. So then we started making historic content. Like technically historic isn't even a format, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it only exists on arena. It only exists on arena. And so it's like, okay it went from being this like sandbox that you could do what you wanted in and you would like see different things yeah. right like the go to meme deck was treasure hunt right I've not seen treasure hunt played in the last like week yeah no. and, and that was a deck that you would run into if you played for an hour you would play against it once or twice yeah right you'd be like oh it's treasure hunt yeah okay that deck's gone now I mean, it's not a well, good. It's not a good deck.
1: I but... saw a Twitch clip that was Treasure Hunt versus Goblins, and <laughs> Treasure Hunt went off and made like, I don't, I don't know how thirty Goblin or thirty Zombies or whatever, like a ton, and was gonna win the next turn, and then Goblins played a Muxus and hit two Chain Whirlers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so they are. Are they playing? What are they playing to? Make zombies, and, uh, zombie infestation. Oh, okay, I was on a. I was thinking of just uh, what's it called? Treasure hunt into Thassa's Oracle. Oh, okay. But whatever. So yeah. you have, you know, that kind of like weird situation where mm-hmm. you the the card format was big enough that if you weren't trying super hard to break it, you couldn't break it. But it's yeah. not so big that if everyone looks at the format for like two or three weeks, that it doesn't break. And then with Jumpstart, Jumpstart put cards into historic that, that you, aren't standard legal, that aren't standard legal, and you look at them and go like, "Huh, this is the best version of this card that will ever be printed." Right. Right. Crater Hoof is I think we said this before, is the best version of that card that will ever be printed. Right. We have the fixed crater hoof in standard, and it is like laughably bad compared to Crater Hoof. So now Crater Hoof's in the format. Mm -hmm. Right? So if you're gonna have a green deck that needs like a big stompy payoff, you have to play crater Crater Hoof. Right. The the Elf the yeah. Allosaurus Shepherd yeah. is a card that people looked at and said that probably fits in Legacy Elves.
1: Legacy Elves.
0: That is probably not a card you need, like in the same format as, I don't know, Leafkin Druid. Leafkin Druid, exactly. <laughs> like, huh, this could work in Legacy Elves, right? And then, like, Muxus is an absurd magic right. card that. I was like, does this make Legacy Goblins just busted? I mean, look at it for base value. It's a
1: red card that puts five cards from your deck into play for free.
0: I have been combo killed by Elves on, but not by Elves, by Goblins on turn three multiple times. Uh Uh-huh. Where I'm just like, oh, there's literally nothing I can do now. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm just getting rolled and it's just like, Oh, okay, cool. And it up. yeah. And that deck's good because it also like just backdoors into one drop, two drop, Lord, Lord, Lord.
2: Right.
0: And it's like, it Oh, in scenario, it was still a good tribal deck. <laughs> yeah. It's a good tribal deck that has a combo finish on turn three or four.
1: Yeah. Huh, that sounds a lot like legacy elves, huh?
0: Yeah. Uh, They can win like a super grindy matchup. You have these form these, these card pools on arena that are not big enough to like stand up to the pace at which the machine churns through the cards on arena. Right. Right. So as you put more of those cards that are like the best version of this, Or, Mm -hmm. hey, is this legacy playable? For every one of those cards, I think you probably eliminate, like, 10 cards from playability. Probably, yeah. Like, every time you see one of those cards, you're like, oh my god, this card is ridiculous. There's just, like, Mm -hmm. a whole archetype that gets thrown in the trash can. And so, like, you know, you're like, oh, hey, Muxis makes goblins good. Well, any other tribal deck goes away. Right. Other than elves because elves got Crater Hoof and <laughs> Alasora Shepherd. Right? I mean, but even that matchup's
1: not good. No. Like Goblins pushes elves out, it's just quicker and more explosive.
0: Yeah. So you just don't have big enough card pools to stand up to arena. Yeah. And so all your matches become the same. And right. if you do try to play something a little odd, you just like get ground up you're just like oh you make you feel like you made a mistake by registering
1: something that wasn't one of those couple decks yeah because
0: you're just like because like i think yesterday i was playing and i got it was a struggle but i got to like five wins and i kept Mm -hmm. playing and i think i lost like eight games in a row and i was just like okay i've got to do something else like this is this is awful and like that's just not an enjoyable experience when you're just like, you're like oh, okay, what? Are the, oh, it's orboreal grazer, into growth spiral, into explore, into, you know, migration path Ugin. Right. Cool. And then the next game's like, oh no, it was, it's different. It's explore, into growth spiral.
2: <laughs> why do into we Uro. need?
0: Why do we need? Explore and Grow spiral both legal yeah in the same set that like ramp has been the best thing to do (laughs) with the majority of that card pool for like two and a half years
2: years.
0: yeah yeah i so yeah so arena kind of sucks the fun out of it yeah and
1: like i've realized a couple things about arena lately And it's mainly due to the fact that we're not allowed to play paper magic right. And it kind of makes me realize just how much arena is not paper magic. Like arena's fine. And you know, I enjoy playing arena some percentage of the time, but what I was excited for when arena launched was a place to kind of practice whatever deck I was going to play in standard. And like that, doesn't exist right now because like there's nothing like I'm not, you know, getting reps with historic goblins because I'm going to play in a big historic event next week. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's not that like, like I'm going to get good with this deck so I can play it at FNM or I think this deck is good. I'm going to tune it and I think it'll be good at FNM. So I'm going to play it on arena so I can have this like neat rogue thing to show up with. Right right it's like nope 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 and also yeah. like we said before like it does really punish you like you can go to an FNM and it sucks if you show up with like a goofy deck right. and you go like 1-3 but right. like two or three games the deck got to do the thing that you wanted it to do right. and someone else saw it it and felt cool it was, cool. Go- it was yeah. cool it felt good right you can play. Maybe you a re- got a compliment. Yeah, you can play on arena, and like, you do the thing, and you're just like, "All right, it did the thing. Go to the next game." Damn it! Did- you
1: don't even get to do the thing because your opponent scoops halfway through it.
0: Yeah, or you're like, "Oh, it didn't do the thing," <sighs> and you like, it just you don't get you just you don't get a lot of satisfaction. Yeah. Right, like the satisfaction comes from getting wins, right? Which then means you've got to play the top tier decks to get the wins, right? Like I am looking forward and we'll see to pioneer showing up because at least if you're jamming pioneer games, you're getting good at like an actual format. Yeah. But like right now, like what arena formats should, do you think you should play? Like, I, I don't know. I feel like this is the
1: same question that I had when we were talking about, you know, all of the set, ways to purchase magic cards like which one of these is for me and you know i have since i wrote this episode out and me and you have talked and you know i've listened to some other people's opinions on the the topic like i have kind of come to the realization that this product is for me the set boosters are for me i think that's you know my place in the magic ecosystem is set boosters i don't have that feeling with arena though like i i don't know which way to play arena is for me I have tried really hard. Um, most seasons on Arena, we are a couple days away from the season reset, right?
0: That's yeah, like which Thursday or Friday, or as something. you were saying that, I was like, oh yeah, that is the thing that's going to happen.
1: Yeah, like I feel I did really well this season. Like you know, I've talked with you a couple times about what decks were doing well, and you know, I've told you win percentages that I've pulled off of this tracking software or whatever, and they're very good. Do you know where I'm going to end up this season? Are you, are you diamond? Uh Diamond four. Yeah, I was nice. diamond 1 at one point, but I mean, I've played a ton and had some very good win percentages. The highest I made it was diamond one and I'm currently diamond four.
0: I but made that, it almost a plat two and then the wheels fell off yeah but yeah like i think like we were in the chat talking to uh christos this was like kind of partly partly about um uh, streamers versus boomers but (laughs) well that's gonna happen on wednesday i think Oh, is he just, is he, no, is he just, he's just going to get rolled
1: by a bunch of people. It's going to be great. Yeah, there's like I think there's like eight people that he's accepted a
0: challenge from that he's going to do on Wednesday. I hope they all show up and are like super focused and just like... <laughs> just he well, Sperling's Spur- one of them. Okay, who just goes like, well, Sperling's tweet. Okay, we got sidetracked. If you didn't see, Croakies yeah. um, <laughs> S- made a comment that he was like, he thought he was in the top 50 magic players of all time yeah or the top 50 players playing right now and people and people were like i think andre strotsky was like this is a meme right yeah like this can't you can't actually think this which then got him all hot and bothered and he's like well i'm sick of these paper boomers talking and paper boomers so he wanted to challenge some of these paper boomers to like show stuff and like i think matt sperling tweeted at him we play for checks Crokey's grinds the ladder <laughs> <laughs> and it's like and he's like well people put too much stock in like winning one single event and it's like but what if you're the person who's like top 16 like seven of them yeah right over the course of like 10 years like you're consistently good yeah. like watching the, the the PT finals this weekend uh-huh. out of the 142 players that show up there were at least 50 that I know I would take before crokies no problem <laughs> people that I hadn't even thought of and they were like oh, Mike Sigris is playing and I'm like oh yeah I would totally take Sigris for crokies <laughs> Sigris was yeah. like what set are we drafting <laughs> to crokies like what set are we going to draft I'll totally do it if we get to draft yeah. But yeah, it was, it was it was funny, but I just the...
1: uh, I just tagged you in the in Crokey's um, tweet. He's playing uh, sick of it, which is Spurling. Yes, uh, Sandy Dog. I don't know who Sandy
2: Dog. Oh, is.
0: Sandy Dog's the I forget what his real name is. He has MS. His mom like shuffles his cards for him. Oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. He yeah, okay, he won yeah, he won, won a modern GP. Yeah, uh, playing, Burn, once, playing Burn. Playing um, Burn. Yeah. He's like the best. He's probably one of the best mono red players, if not the best mono red player in the world.
1: Yeah, I, I think I played against him in either Atlanta or Charlotte Okay. One year. MTG HOF bot. Hall of Fame bot. I don't know who yeah, that I one is. Who that is. Michael Majors. Okay. Christian Colcano. Okay.
0: Majors might be a little rusty.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, he's working for Wizards for a while. Yeah. Oh, uh, MTG HOF bot is Perks Alert. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Christian Calcano. Okay. Andrew Ellen Bogan. Okay. Uh, Sebastian Putzo.
0: Okay. And Seth Manfield. And I'll be honest, like yeah. he didn't even get the top tier. Yeah. Right. Like there are some of people. I'm just like, really? Okay. Yeah. It's like I'm surprised. Str- like strasky was like talking lots of junk. It's well, I'm surprised not in there.
1: I'm sure he, he picked people that he felt like he
0: could beat. <laughs> <laughs> Sick burn, Seth Manfield. Kroky 60's got you, player of the what? year. Uh, yeah, no, I... I don't know how it's set up, but, like, yeah, you I, know... I don't know either. But, like, if, you know one match doesn't tell you a whole lot yeah you know I think that if you played you know if they played 10 matches a person right yeah. if if they win like 60 percent against them like he's getting rolled and it's like yeah. why well, won 40 percent it's like yeah you're like you're supposed to win 40 even when you're bad you win 40 percent of your matches right but Like, we were talking, so going back. Yeah, back on the rails. Back on the rails. Like, the grind to Mythic is just a numbers game. Right. It is
1: directly related to how much time you
0: spend on the ladder. I really focused when we first started the podcast and when the formats were more fun on making Mythic. It was something that was important to me. And at one point, uh, what kind of got us... Uh, me tracking wins and losses was I was tracking all my wins and losses for the podcast. I knew my win rate exactly. And I just wrote up a little formula and I was like, okay, at my current win rate, I need to play 205 matches to get to mythic. Right. And I was like, all right, I've got seven days till it resets. I've got to play 30 matches a day. Mm -hmm. Let's go. (laughs) And I, I ran hot. I got it in like hundred and ten or something. Yeah, like I ran real hot, and I was like, "Oh my god!" But <laughs> I was like, "My win rate fifty six percent." Do the math. This is how many I have to win. Yep. And it was like, "Oh, okay." So it is just like a question of how much you play. Yeah. And of course, there is you know a difference between right being mythic. And being number one mythic. Yeah. But I don't know how much different that is in terms of like maybe your win rate has to be 60% as opposed Mm -hmm. to 55. Yeah, I have no idea. But like I can make mythic and like be in the numbers. Mm -hmm. I've never made a pro tour. Right. Right. So like the level of competition that you're playing as a croquis being number one mythic is different than, you know, the, the level of play that Seth Manfield is playing. And, you know, he's got a 63% win rate at the pro tour, right? Or whatever (laughs) it is. And it's like, Oh, that's way different than a 63% win rate on the ladder. Like one of my wins, he just fell asleep on his keyboard. Like that doesn't happen at the pro. I got lucky and had two disconnects against me today. Yeah, boom. Uh, <laughs> mold the six, scooped. Okay, awesome. Right. But yeah, so like just the grind of mythic. Like there's, it's it's a numbers game, and it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Right. Right. Like and
1: one one of the things that like I had put in our little chat when we were talking about this is that. Like, I have found myself a couple times quitting, like exiting out of arena, not because, you know, I had something better to do or because, you know, there was really a reason for me to, but it was because I had just had a really good run and, you know, bumped my rank up and then ran into a little rough patch and had a couple losses in a row. And, Found that or realized that I need to make either a change to my deck or a change to my play patterns, but I didn't want to risk my rank to test those changes out. So instead of doing that, I'll just walk away from it. Yeah, I'm like that's not that's not healthy or
0: yeah. You know, I guess it, like, like I'm playing
1: this game for fun like I don't want to have to feel like oh I don't want to hurt my rank so I'm gonna I'm gonna take a break <laughs> you know what I mean like, yeah I got, I got there's only so many hours I can play arena for
0: and if I gotta take a break to protect my rank that's not that's not cool yeah and I mentioned like I feel like they give me platinum for free now because they changed yeah, how you get through gold yeah. by making it two steps so it's yeah. like okay I get platinum for free so I play to platinum Mm-hmm. and then it's just like, all right, maybe maybe I'll play ranked today. Maybe I'll play unranked. Maybe I need to get a couple wins real quick, or yeah. I need to cast some black spells, or, like, whatever. Yeah. Right? But, like, after I get to Platinum, I don't really worry about my rank. If I start to go up, then I'm like, yeah. okay, maybe I can get to the next one, but I've stopped really focusing on it. Yeah. I, I decided in Ikoria that I was going to hit Mythic and Draft,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and I did, Mm -hmm. but that format was really fun, and I did 55 drafts. Wow. Right, I hit Mythic with like a 57 or 56% win rate just because I did all the drafts. Right. All of them. It wasn't that I'm like some limited mastermind. So like even (laughs) hitting Mythic, you're not like, I'm a Mythic gamer. You're just like, oh, i played way too much this month yeah right and like you have here that the challenges aren't really a good level of competition to if you don't want to play ranked right yeah there's like nothing in the middle you either
1: play on the ladder and everything's like hyper competitive and you know you got to worry about every little interaction and like I said, you know, changing your play patterns or changing your card choices or whatever and risking your rank. So, you know, you would think that a good thing to do instead of that is, oh, I'm going to go, you know, enter a tournament, enter an quote-unquote FNM, you know what I mean, where you're just going to play like four or five rounds, whatever, and have a good time. But then you go in to play like one of these challenges and they're full of garbage, like, I, I, the first thing that popped into my head was, you know, you you sit down and you shuffle up and realize your opponent's playing ladies looking left tribal. Okay, explain
0: that. You had to explain it to me.
1: So, ladies looking left tribal is a, it's like an EDH meme. Uh, somebody made a deck that the theme of the deck was just artwork fi- featuring ladies that are looking to their left.
0: Yes, you can go look this up on, like, MTG, yeah. oh, tap out, tapped out. Yeah. And you can go through all the art, which I did. And it's really? I just started scrolling down. Yeah. And I was like, they all are looking to the left. I'll be damned. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, if, like, you're not enjoying playing the ladder because you're stressing over rank, which I'm, like, right. doing, I'm doing less of now. But then you're yeah. like, okay, I don't want to stress about rank at all. I'm going to go, mm-hmm. but I still want to have some level of, like, something on the line, some stakes. I'll go to uh, an event and if the, the events just don't feel good. Right. Right. Then you can, I play a lot of unranked when I just don't want to worry about anything. But the problem with unranked is if you register a mountain, (laughs) you will only play against other mountains. Yeah. Like if you are like, I'm just going to play mono red to try to get four wins. You Mm -hmm. just play the mono red mirror. Which I'm not like anti mirror, but it's just like it's the same experience over and over and over again. And then if you real quick aside
1: on anti the mirror, I was watching, I think I was waiting for the PT to start on Saturday so I could, you know, watch some real magic. And I had it on Crokey's stream because he was like the only person streaming before the PT started. And he was playing a teamer wreck mirror. And did nothing but complain the whole, whole time about having to play mirrors and how he wishes he could never ever play another mirror again in his life. And I just found that was kind of funny since if you 50th talk to greatest pros,
0: player in the world.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of funny though, because if you talk to all these pros or the paper boomers or whatever, like most of the time they say that like the mirror match is the most skill intensive, like skill testing way to play your deck.
0: Yeah you know what cards they have
1: like no man i don't want to play this
0: (laughs) yeah like watching them play the mirror on the pt coverage and it's like oh they're not casting the counter spell here because it represents so they can do this and it represents this this this, and it's just like yeah cool uh i would have countered that (laughs) (laughs) i would have got blown out thank you very much (laughs) thank you very much like why didn't he cast that uro oh because he's gonna hold up dovin's veto oh yeah okay (laughs) Uh I just been like yeah. six six and then like got explosioned for eight hundred on the next turn. It's like, oh, I'm not supposed to do that. Rawr, does not beat an explosion for eight hundred. Check. Yeah. Um but yeah, like like that's why I end up playing a lot of the events. Yeah. Because there's like a teeny tiny little bit of stakes. Teeny mm-hmm. tiny little. Yeah. There's no stress if you lose some other than like frustration of like I need to get four wins right and oftentimes the events are something different mm-hmm. and it's just yeah like, they're
2: palate cleansers you yeah, like it's like oh right? I'm
0: yeah it's like oh I'm not playing the same thing mm-hmm. right so you know it just seems like meh yeah like arena just has given me another way to play magic but I mm-hmm. think it's also broken magic simultaneously yeah I think so too uh, please keep listening to our arena podcast. I don't know. Um, it's like, I don't know where I fit in the magic ecosystem yeah. anymore. Especially, like, like uh, my place, I thought, was, you know, low-level junior grinder. Right. right. Would like, go- somebody
1: that travels every weekend, but somebody that enjoys it. Yeah. And, you know,
0: likes being competitive and is willing to spend a couple bucks to do it. Yeah. And... But like you know, that person's kind of gotten phased out of Magic, right? And the arena grind isn't for me, so me neither. And uh, the way they're reprinting stuff and printing stuff, MTG finance is is rough. Yeah, real rough. (laughs) Yeah. So this came up. um, So with the same idea is historic not being a big enough card pool. Right. So pioneers coming. And right.
1: Getting I'm Cut Remastered, and we're getting Pioneer Masters.
0: Yeah. So, Arena. someone's like, I'm worried about Pioneer on Arena with Inverter.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I was like, well, do you think that because we're going to have all these different people with their eyes on it that haven't been playing it before? Mm-hmm. Right. Because right now, the only place to play Pioneer is Magic Online. Right, and that's terrible. And no one's playing the format. Like, things aren't firing, and people are blaming it on the format being bad. Right. It could also just be that, like we've said before, why are you playing this format? You can't play it in paper. Yeah, and and
1: Magic Online's not the easiest place to play Magic.
0: Yeah, like, you know, I spent $50 for the whole set, and I was looking at, like, buying a, like, Tier Z Pioneer deck. Yeah. And it was going to be $250.
1: Right, and, and like the events don't cost any less than paper events do.
0: Yeah, and I'm like, uh, no, no, thanks. I'm not gonna. I already have this deck in paper. Right. But if you move like Pioneer to Arena, does it change the Pioneer meta game? Right. Because right now everyone's like, oh, it's broken and stale, and it's like, but why does anyone have any like desire to innovate? Yeah. And make the format different.
1: Well, I mean, I think your question might even go a little bit beyond that, though. Like, yeah, I mean, it being on an arena is going to put a lot more eyes on it, but it's also going to put a different kind of eye on it. Like, I know we've made the comment before that, like, SCG events are different from GPs, are different from store level stuff, right? Like, there's whole metagame segments that are just different. Like, the the European metagame's different than the North American metagame. Yes, Like, I'm wondering if the arena metagame is going to be different than the paper metagame just because of the nature of arena. Like, if you want to jam all of your games in a short period of time, the meta is going to be skewed to
0: aggro decks. Yeah,
1: mono-red, mono-white.
0: Yeah, as
1: opposed to, like, in paper,
0: where inverter's king. And uh, Christos brought up something like it might just, like, exacerbate the inverter problem because you might get people that are less skilled players playing right. the format and just getting clowned by people that are good with inverter.
1: Yeah. And then when those people try inverter out, they get clowned and then they just think they're a terrible player and quit the game or,
0: or just complain that you need to be an inverter. Right. As opposed to like the metagame changing. Cause like inverter is yeah. good now says the guy who has it in foil, but like the way they're printing cards, mm. Like, there could just be a card, Zendikar, that just totally invalidates that deck. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, oh, you have a... Reverter. Yeah. Or (laughs) you you have a turn five combo with disruption. Well, ha, I have a turn four combo now with my sweet, I don't know, brain maggot trap (laughs) or something. Yeah. Where... Uh, exile the number of cards. If you've cast 15 spells this turn, exile your opponent's uh, library. Yeah, And it's just like, no.
2: <laughs> you
0: have triggered my trap card. Exactly. So, yeah, like, you know, is Pioneer even a big enough format to stand up to the arena machine? Yeah, I don't know. And our lord and savior, Crokies.
1: <laughs> our lord and savior, Crokies.
0: Yeah. All have right. you ever watched one of his streams? For a few minutes, like I have, especially recently, I have gravitated to if I'm going to watch a stream, mm-hmm. I want something that is like entertaining and like low stress. Yeah. And like I used to watch Frank Lepore, but sometimes he got a little too grumpy and preachy. Yeah. And like Caleb is sometimes a little like confrontational with his chat. Yeah, and like I'm just like no, I'm not I'm not here for this, mm-hmm. like so, you know it's been oh god what's his name Anu, uh, he just did a a, a CFB video. Oh and like, yeah, yeah the legacy guy that I yeah told you. Mm-hmm, and I watched part of his stream and it yeah. was like super relaxed. He had a guy like hop on Discord who's good with uh, uh, a deck he was playing and just like talk through like plays and stuff, and it cool. was like. You know, his chat, like there were like 70 people watching him. Yeah. So it was like super small and like he knows everyone in his chat. It was like a relaxed environment. Yeah. Right. Like, and is the little I've watched, he seems a little confrontational. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know what? No, I don't want like some British guy yelling at someone else that they're dumb. And by extension, me, I'm yeah, already yelled at by a small person. <laughs>
1: Like, I don't think confrontational is even the right word. Like, he's just not a pleasant person, I don't think.
0: Yeah. For some reason, that seems to sell on Twitch. Yeah. And I don't get it. Like, I'm like, no, I don't want to go here and, like, deal with, like... Get berated. Yeah, deal with the the person that would be the dick at my job. <laughs> <What Yeah>. a... <laughs> you know who I hate? I, I freaking hate George at work, but I'm going to watch his stream so he can yell at me. Like, no. <laughs> no, thank you. I'm not going to yeah. go watch British George yell at me. <laughs> um, but I think that you're just going to get like so many more people playing it. Cause when the format started, mm-hmm. like there were all kinds of like decks, It was just new stuff kind of popping up all the time and then getting kind of like banned and knocked back down. Right. And then like no more pro tours, no more paper magic. And everyone's like, Oh, it's just inverter. It's so bad. And it's like, if you're getting events with 16 people, Mm-mm. maybe it's because no one wants to buy into the format when they can't do anything with it. Right. And yeah, and I think that's
1: part of my problem with everything. Right. The reason I'm kind of disheartened with like the direction that you know Wizards is taking the game and coming out with all these products. And the reason why I'm not super happy playing Arena right now is that there's just no point. Like, if you can't play, everything to me comes down to being able to play Paper Magic. We I are like one. everything about Paper Magic. I like the cards. I like my friends. I like the social aspect of it. I like going to my local game store. I like supporting local businesses. Like, every, every part of that, I enjoy. And I can't do any of that. And I think it's just kind of bringing me all down.
0: We are paper boomers.
1: We are paper boomers. Back in my day, I rode my bike to the comic book store, eight miles. My lunch money on a Fallen
0: Empires pack. Yeah, it, and it's just um, right? Like that was what I. So I always felt like because I didn't play Magic online, I was behind when I went to an event, because you know there was a certain percentage of people that I played against that spent. 40 hours the previous week tuning their like 75th card, right? Right, and like we talked about it for a while, maybe played some games at Cameron's mm-hmm. and then like showed up, right? And then I was like, Oh, cool, arena, this is gonna give me a way to like be on par with people that play a bunch. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for like the Richmond GP, that played out like. I didn't dig two, but I feel like I had a really good deck for what the meta game was. Right. And I beat every I beat every Oko deck I played mm-hmm. because that's what I was supposed to do with that deck. <laughs> and I lost to the two Racto sacrifice decks I played because that's what that deck was supposed do to do. Uh, and. But like I felt like hey I played a lot of arena And I'm good to go And I felt like that kind of leveled My playing field some mm-hmm. And now it's like well why am I Playing like now I basically Play to get my four wins to get my free Gold Right. But like I didn't hard- spend hardly any of my gold uh, When this last set came out yeah. Cause I was just like oh, I'll spend my Gems once You spend I get some on jumpstart though right hmm? You spent some on jumpstart though right Uh, mainly just the $15 on jet. I bought the $15 of gems and that's all I spent. Yeah. I was like, yep. Like $15 for like a week and a half a week. Oh, oh, a weekend's worth of fun. It's like, that seems like good uh, EV, as it were. Yeah. (laughs) So, okay. We've, we have dumped on the current state of magic and all the things they're selling us. Yeah. How do we fix it? That's a great question. Thank you. I just read the show notes.
2: Yeah, Uh,
1: I really don't have any idea. I think, like, as we've kind of alluded to, the introduction of set boosters is probably going to decrease the number of draft boosters that stores are going to require to, like, sell to their customers. I don't think it's going to be a one-for-one split because, like, there's more of a reason for somebody to buy a set booster now than there was a draft booster. So I don't think like it's going to one for one equate. Like if you sell one less draft booster box, I think that's going to be more like, you know, a box and a half of set boosters that you'll sell, which is better for the game store. It definitely drives singles prices down. Right. we talked about that already. And that kind of tells me that maybe we need to change the way we approach a new set release. Right. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Like, there's not the same value, yeah, in opening a pack or a box now,
1: yeah. I mean, if I can, because there's a foil in every set booster pack, and because every card in a collector booster pack is foil, you know, I can buy foil common, uncommon place sets for 40 bucks, maybe, yeah,
0: or like what you want super easy, like they're super cheap, yeah.
1: yeah. And then the price of rares being so cheap, like. It still boggles my mind how cheap, like foil conspicuous Snoop is, under three dollars right now.
0: Yeah, it's insane. Does it make any Absolutely sense? Absolutely insane. I think so. I think the way I'm going to approach sets is what I did this time until like the singles prices come back, if they come back. Which is, hey, these are the cards I want, and it's yeah. basically all I did as Core Twenty One was coming out. Is like, what cards do I want? Mm-hmm. And then I just bought those cards. Like, I don't know. We we really haven't had any events to speak
1: of for, like, a courier core 21. But if you think back to Theros, which we did have events for, like, what was the most expensive uh, pre order card? Euro at 30 bucks? Yeah, it was uh, maybe. And now Uro's 60? Yeah. So you could have even pre ordered your euros.
0: At Theros yeah. release and come out ahead. I bought a foil alt art Ashiok, the mm-hmm. five minute Ashiok. Yeah, eleven dollars. Eleven dollars. Like what? What is that? Like that's not reasonable. Right now, there are still some cards. Like I bought a foil full art um, Castle Locktwayne, and it was like twenty. It was like thirty. Yeah, but for the most part, it's just like, these are all stupid cheap. Mm-hmm. Like w- why? Yeah. Why would I like buy packs? Cause like, how good of a pack do you have to get to break even on $5? Right. Cause like EV calculations for like standard legal sets are great,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but like they don't see two weeks into the future. Right. Cause like using pre-release prices, Hey, my EV is this, but you know, when I went and picked up my aquaria boxes, the EV on an Aquaria box was like underwater. It was seventy dollars. Yeah. And I spent a hundred dollars, so I just let lit thirty dollars on fire. Right. And it's like and I still have to buy singles to like make up for the cards I didn't get.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And like that problem's just gonna be exacerbated with set boosters. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. So I I can definitely see myself cracking some set boosters like for fun during FNM or whatever, if we ever get to play FNM again. But yeah, I think I'm in the same boat as you where instead of, you know, buying my normal box plus prize winnings and having most of what I need. I think I'm just going to buy singles.
0: Yeah. Just identify the handful of cards. Like, like I think cards kind of break into like two, like three categories for me. Mm And when a set comes out, like, Things I don't know if I'll play, but I think are like, you know, short or long term, like speculations, Mm -hmm. right? Then the things that I will play, and that's usually a pretty small universe of things. Yeah. And then things that I will just end up selling for a quarter when the set rotates. (laughs) Yeah. Right? And like, if I can eliminate all those quarters. Right. And turn turn those quarters into things that are kind of like specs slash like, you know, long-term playable things and things that I will play.
1: Right. Or like like cards that you just enjoy. Yeah. My my loses, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think I'm going to make money on them, but that's a card I will play forever. Probably.
0: Yeah. So like, that is just a different way of looking at a set now, as opposed to, I'm going to get two boxes. So I have like a big portion of the set. Yeah. It's more like, no, I'm going to get, you know, the handful of cards that I need. And there's some stuff I think I missed from Core 21. Like, I haven't bought any seasoned Halo Blades. Oh, yeah. But, like, worst case scenario, that card's a dollar. Yeah. I got foil ones. Ooh. For
1: 30 cents, I think.
0: Yeah. But, like, worst case scenario, that card's a dollar. Okay. I'll spend yeah. $4 and get them. Right. Like, it's not a big deal. As opposed to. Buying a four dollar pack and right. getting, you know, a god awful rare and and No season hollow blades. No season Hollow Blades. It's <laughs> like I can just spend four dollars and get exactly what I want. Yeah. So yeah. I th- it's it is gonna be weird like to just not be like, Oh, I'm gonna buy two boxes. Right. Because like what do you it doesn't make any sense to a lot of times now. Yeah.
1: We but, should try and uh get better about posting what we're buying too. Like yeah. even if we don't identify it as a spec it yeah. might be worth be worth it to somebody just to see you know what kind of stuff we're buying as we approach this new way to consume product
0: full art Lucas or borderless Lucas are four dollars yeah that's crazy I have a playset. I'm like <laughs> huh I'm sure at some point they will print something stupid into pioneer right and then I will Transmogrify, transmogrify and Luca for them. This will be fun. <laughs> ding ding ding. Yeah, it's like, huh? Yeah. What is the biggest thing I can put into play in any format? <laughs> uh, crater hoof. Crater hoof. Okay, check. <laughs> so yeah, I wish. Like Brian Gottlieb, a couple months ago now, wrote an article yep. that just said like, "I want to love magic again." Yeah. And, like, that's kind of where I am. Mm -hmm. Like, magic is still something I enjoy. But, uh, like, today, I didn't, I haven't played any arena today. Like, I had an hour, hour of 15 before dinner. And I was like, I'm going to go upstairs and play uh, The Outer Worlds.
1: Oh, is that any good? I've been meaning to pick that up.
0: Uh I got it for thirty dollars on the PlayStation store, so it might be cheap. It's from what I've I've played it for like five hours. Yeah. It is Fallout in space. space. If you liked Fallout like New Vegas, I don't know if yeah. the story is as good, but okay. like it's it's a brighter, more colorful world. The part yeah. that I'm in, so I'm still like at the beginning. I'm repairing my ship. But there okay. are like side quests and like the people talk to you just like in fallout yeah. and like there's i'm on a quest where it's like one group wants me to do something and another group wants me to do the exact opposite thing so i have to pick pick a group pick a group and like you get faction like reputation and whatnot so it is a lot like fallout i still haven't figured out all the ins and outs but mm-hmm. it has been fun yeah okay. i'll
1: have to check it out i've been meaning to for a while now and just to
0: it yeah and it's short in air quotes like i think if I, i went and looked if you turbo through the game it's like 24 hours oh okay and like they said like a completionist might be like 35 to 40 yeah which is like okay i can play this like the game has like an a reasonable end yeah as opposed to being like a 70 hour thing
1: where it's like like, 200 hours into Skyrim
0: yeah like so where I'm never gonna get to the end of it like you know I can get a couple hours in here and there and get to the end of it eventually yeah like I think I'm like five hours in Mm -hmm. so but yeah anyway right like on some level arena is just like another video game Mm -hmm. as opposed to being like like magic for a yeah magic for a while was like the only thing I did like I didn't do other stuff so yep. that I could like shuffle up in goldfish decks, mm-hmm. and now it's like eh, I can get my four wins or I can't, like whatever. Who cares? Yeah, all right, that's a shame. Yep, sure. all right. So, uh, we're revisiting double masters, uh, wow. because. Someone heard me say I don't know if a hundred dollars is worth it and they just like <laughs> kept Hold printing kept printing like ridiculous cards. Yeah. And pretty much none of the oh, what is it called? None of the spoiled cards yeah. are that are box toppers or the the, sh- the 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 you know the showcase cards from the VIP boosters Mm-hmm. strike me as Missus. Misses. Like furxy and Metamorph maybe? Is Met- like- Metamorph maybe and that might that might be it. Like
1: like I'm probably
0: sad if I open a goblin guy. Yeah, that one's probably not great. That would just got spoiled today. Yeah. But for the most part, like the the tower power plant and mine. Yeah. It's a question of how much they're gonna be right but uh, right I'm not sure about those but I think the rest of them are all going to be you know pretty valuable now this is yeah. dependent this is dependent on how many of them that there, there are mm-hmm. right because we're dealing with something that we've not ever dealt with before right because right? was it ultimate masters had the box toppers mm-hmm. right and right you would think some of those are even more rare yeah. Because they were just one per box, right? Right. They were just literal box toppers and they're still like a foil. Gattic tea was like $30. Well, I, I picked up my, uh,
1: Tassigers for like $10 a piece.
0: Yeah. So like that card. To play. Yeah. So it's a question of like, you know, and I think it's a question of numbers. Yeah. Right. Like, if there's tons and tons and tons and tons of VIP boosters that get cracked, presumably by stores. Right. Then how much are all these cards worth? Yeah. If there aren't a lot of them opened, then who doggie? Like, yeah, I
1: mean, some of these are almost $100 or more like the previous version was.
0: Yeah, like Jace's, Jace's have plummeted. Yeah. But Jace was at $100 for just like a Jace. Yeah, Mana Crypts,
1: $200. Mox Opal was was $100. Force of Will was $100. Yeah. Um, Stone Forge was $80. Dark Confidant at one point was $80. Noble yeah. Hierarch
0: at one point was $80. So, yeah, it's just a question of how many there's going to be. Yeah. Um, something to uh, point out, I don't know if we brought it up last time, The the Box Toppers they are actually holding their rarities. So it's not like all the box toppers appear with the same frequency. Right. So it's, you're twice as likely to get a rare as you are to get a mythic. Yep. So, right. You know, you're more, you're, you know, you're going to get your council judgments, stoneforge mystics, brainstorms, which I can't tell if that art's good or not. Like I can see it, it, but I dig it. Yeah. Then like I'm sec- a fan. so, you're you're more likely to get like your, uh, your rares than you are like the the mythics. So it's mm-hmm. not like you know. I think the box toppers for like ultimate masters were just like a box topper. Like you right. were equally likely to get a lava claw reaches as you were a Liliana. Probably. So, what do you
1: think about uh, while we're looking at them
0: here? I don't know if you pulled
1: them up on your screen or not. But I what have do you think list. of the crop rotation
0: The crop, crop rotation is pretty nice. Yeah. Is it going to replace your OG foils? I don't think. I don't know. Like no. it's so hard to to replace, you know, a classic Old border foils, yeah. Yeah. An Urza Saga foil. Like come on. Yeah. Those are pretty nice. Now, yeah. this, people are speculating that we might get thought seas. Like you could maybe talk me off my invocation Thoughtseizes. seas.
1: Yeah. Oh, especially if it's... Um, well, I guess it wouldn't be lore when it would be new art. Yeah.
0: Like, depending on how much the Dark Confidants are, like, that's yeah. a that's a card that Depths plays from time to time. Mm-hmm. So I could, you know... I, I kind of see... dig this art, too. Yeah. Some people aren't happy with it, but... Yeah. We can't make I everyone know. happy. Yeah. I think it's all right. Yeah.
1: I like it better than the Modern Masters art, but I'm still kind of partial to OG Bob.
0: So there's OG Bob, Skrillex, and then this one. Yeah. yeah. So has my opinion changed on VIP boosters? Uh, I think you are probably getting closer to maybe getting $100 out of your box more consistently. But I think that you still are, like much like you said about what time you buy stuff Mm -hmm. right like you might be you're probably going to get way more value in the first week right then you are like in the third week yeah right and then just depending on how many there are you might get your value again two months out Mm -hmm. but i don't know it might still be this for me it's definitely going to be like Okay, if the crop, ro- if the crop rota- if the foil crop rotations are forty dollars, mm-hmm. right, which might be laughably low, maybe I pick up four of them, yeah, to maybe cycle in for like a change of pace, <laughs> right. But if they're, you know, if they're a hundred and forty dollars, like no thanks, I'm good, right. If they're twenty five dollars, yes please, I'll take seven, right. And, well, I mean
1: I, I think that kinda goes for any of these.
0: I think if any of these get to a
1: point where like the mar- market is saturated like after the first weekend or during the first week or whatever, and the price on any of these goes below like twenty bucks, like you better be buying everyone for, you can. For the foils. Even the, yeah, even the Urs's lands.
0: Yeah. I mean, for example, like I was getting I have the the in Kaladesh invention, Lotus petals, Mm -hmm. And I think I got them for between 25 and 50. Yeah. And they're a hundred dollars or more a piece right now. Right. And that's because I got them when they first came out and they were interesting, but they weren't like, you know, as they were so kind of in print and whatnot. And they had, and now the prices are way more. Yeah. Like I have a, I have one invocation chalice of the void. That I think I gave Cameron like a hundred bucks for and I think it's 200 now yeah they, they do run the risk of if every set has some cool full art super sick art style mm-hmm. they do run the risk of like them not being special anymore
1: yeah I mean that's basically what happened to pack foils right
0: yeah pack foils are just like eh, cool whatever yep. yeah but they no not that they're going to like have like four different voy- versions of super fancy cards mm-hmm. but like if it loses that like show offy yeah thing if just everyone has 16 full art things in their deck and it starts being neat and it's just kind of like how things are Mm-hmm. then that kind of changes, uh, like, that's going to change how people feel about them. I agree. But, I mean, I will probably own Carns at the end of this. <laughs> you think so? Yeah, I think I'll just, like, get a Carn yeah. at some point. Or get get four Carnes, and I'll just have, like, Tron.
1: On the back burner.
0: Yeah, the, like, you know, my collection is such that, like, name a modern deck right? and I can typically put it together yeah. or be close enough that I won't cry. If I have to buy the last three cards mm-hmm. and, but Tron is a hole in that, uh, in that collection. Well, not for much longer, not for much longer. I get like, if Karn, if a regular Karn is yeah. like $25, <laughs> you should buy Karns. Probably. Cause Karn has just always found a way to be $70. Or $50. Yeah, even whatever after it is. like
1: new reprints now, I guess. Yeah. Like it, it never really dipped below 70 or 80 bucks. Right. It's and like, especially now that Modern's not being played like in paper, you might be able to actually pick these up real cheap.
0: Yeah. So, like if Carnes get cheap because there's a fancy new version and that uh, looks like Clayface from Batman the animated series. And um,
1: have you seen the, uh, the memes with Julie Andrews? No, no. Somebody's like Photoshop, like Sound of Music. Okay, running through the
0: field. Oh, like the hills There's are alive. Arms. Yeah. Nice. I like yeah. the one that him on a him on a uh, a snowboard. Oh, I haven't seen that. I'll have to look for that one. Jesse put it in the chat. It's just like okay. him, like going down one of the Urza's lands on like a with his arms <laughs> out on a surfboard. I was like, oh, he's the Silver Surfer. it's yeah. uh, pretty good. Yeah. But like, if Carns, if the regular Carns get cheap, like this is the time this will be the time to get them because there could be a, another version and whatnot. Yeah. So yeah, I think that the set, they've done a good job. Now, some of the previews here recently, they're ha- they have snuck a few rares in that make you go, huh? I really would not want to open that. <laughs> like Ravenous Trap is right. Was Ravenous Trap one? Yeah. It was at rare
1: as a, as a rare today. What? Yep.
0: It was an uncommon.
1: Was. Why would, was.
0: There's no reason to upshift that card other than crap. We're one rare short. Yep. Well, I better make we, let's just make Ravenous and a rare. Oh my god. Uh, make it a rare. That's insulting. Come on now. Uh. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, it should be spoilers should be done by the time you're listening to this. I'm yeah, I assuming. Think so yeah, so it'll be interesting to yeah. see kind of what they round out the set with.
1: What are your opinions of the rest of the set in general? Like, box stoppers aside, like pretend we're not talking about VIP boosters, we're just talking about the actual set.
0: I mean, I think the reprints are good. Yeah, like the only thing I've really figured out that's in the uh, limited environment is there's like. It has to be multiple artifact decks with, like, multiple themes.
1: Yeah, I I think one of Wizards' articles said something about, like, much like Ultimate Masters was a graveyard set, this was an artifact set. Okay. Yeah. Like Ultimate it, Masters was a Graveyard Matters, like, themed set that they ended up skinning as a master's product. Yeah. And this was an artifact-themed set that they ended up skinning as a master's product.
0: Gotcha. Because it just, there's just so many artifacts in it. Yeah, oh, I want
1: so many great artifacts.
0: Yeah, I want them to print magnetic theft. Yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: I will take all of your equipments. Well, have you you've seen that deck, right? Yeah. Hammer time. <laughs> you know this. You know this deck, right? Well, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So, for the people that don't, you play a creature with double strike, or that gets double strike when it's equipped. Mm-hmm. You play colossal hammer. Which costs seven yeah. to equip, but gives your creature plus 10, plus 10 or something. Yep. And the Magnetic Theft lets you just equip an equipment at instant speed. Yeah. For one red mana. And then you just 20 someone on turn two. <laughs> gotcha. Good clean magic. But the foils are like $15. And I'm like, I'm not going to spend that much mo- money on a meme. Okay. They have. The stupid red white rare that gets like it has like trample double strike and vigilance
1: they sure do from it was just in word spark
0: no it wasn't more of the spark it's uh it wasn't? it's uh guilds of ravnica oh okay yeah that's literally still in standard is yeah. one of the rares that you get in your double masters like that would I would like melt down if I spent $15 and got like that at least, at least it's not your box topper, yeah. And I got that, I'd be like, No, yeah. I just got rid of a bunch of these for a quarter. Why? <laughs> um, voice of resurgence got downshifted to rare, though. That's good. After I bought my fourth one when it was a mythic, <laughs> it's in the mail. In oh, the mail, man. I just bought it because um, Pioneer Winota decks are using that in Ultra Revolution. Because oh, okay. it leaves a body behind, yeah, yeah. That's, that's I was cute. like, "Oh, oh, that's cool that's that's pretty good. I, I like that. I should get my fourth yeah. one." And then they're like, "Downshift to rare." And I'm like, "No."
1: <laughs> Did you see uh, one of the unofficial leaks? Was the card that's supposed to be reprinted
0: forever? Oubliette Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oubliette, Yep. So, if you are a Magic card leaker. Yeah. Can, can we just take a second and have a talk
1: <laughs> yeah I know where
0: you're going step with this. one move your damn thumb <laughs> get your thumb out of the picture you're leaking pictures of magic cards not of your thumb <laughs> two your camera has like a 50 bajillion megapixel camera on it why do all of these look like they've been taken with a tub- Hubble space telescope these um, all look like they're on the surface of, like, Mars.
1: I think what the story was, was this was somebody's Twitch stream. Somebody ended up with some booster packs and opened them on a Twitch stream. And these were screen caps that people stole of the Twitch stream.
0: How did this person get packs?
1: I don't know. People still know. do
0: better. Do better. Because <laughs> I was like, what is that? Like you can figure it out, but like you go on Mythic Spoiler and it's just like, oh, here are some Picture nice high. Some guy's thumb. Yeah, it's like oh hey, there's some cool high res images, and it's like oh these have all been chewed by a baby. <laughs> like, what am I looking at?
1: Well, um, some of them aren't even like whole images. There's like giant swaths of card missing.
0: Yeah, you just like can see the name or like the part of the rules text. You're like, okay, we know what that is. Yeah, cool. It looks good. I mean, I'm glad that they're reprinting Oubliette. Like uncommon though Yeah Which makes sense where they put uh, That kind of removal in Modern It Magic also has hurts.
1: phasing now No it doesn't Well it uses phasing yes
0: What? Yeah
1: the, I, It's reworded I didn't read the wording <laughs> Yeah When it enters the battlefield target creature phases out Until it leaves the battlefield Tap that creature as it phases in this way
0: Wow Yep. Why Why would we do this, Wizards? Because black cards don't exile things? Well, like the original didn't exile, though, did it? I don't know the original
1: wording for ubliet. Oh, I mean, exile didn't exist then, so. Like,
0: remove from the game.
1: But, like, I think it kept its equipment and stuff. Like, yes. It, it, or auras or whatever, which you can't do
0: with exile. There you go, so here we go. Common from Arabian Nights. All right, this is from TCG player. This is probably closer there. Select a creature in play when Oobliet is cast. That creature is considered out of play as long as Oobliet is in play. Hence, the creature cannot be the target of spells uh, and cannot receive damage. Use special powers, attack, or defend. All counters and enchantments on the creature remain but are also out of play. If Oobliet is removed, the creature returns to play tapped yeah okay i guess it is kind of like phasing yeah but also when's the last time you've seen the word hence on a magic card (laughs) henceforth henceforth
1: so the uh the oracle text does say exile you exile it and all auras attached to it note the number and kind of counters that were on that creature when Oubliette uh-huh. leaves the battlefield, return that exiled card to the battlefield under its owner's control, tapped, with the noted number and kind of counters on it.
0: So yeah, yeah. Now know. it phases. It, it phases now. Man, they opened the floodgates. They gave to faring phasing, <laughs> and they're like, "The people are ready." oubliet It's like no. The people are The people are not ready. Phasing. Phasing. They could have just put it in the core set. <laughs> oh wait.
1: Oh, it will be it, you mean? Yeah,
0: boom, in yeah, there. I mean, they could have. In there. Yep. So, yeah. The set looks good. Yeah. Again, it's a set I'm never going to draft. Yeah, it's kind of a shame, but yeah. I mean, one, because I'll die, apparently. And two, because <laughs> it'll be like 50 bucks to draft.
1: Oh, yeah, I didn't think of that.
0: Or more, right? Yeah. It might be like 60 bucks to draft. Like no, thanks.
1: 18 bucks a pack plus price support. Yeah.
0: $18 a pack?
1: Yeah, they're aren't they the same as Ultimate Masters packs? Not regular Ma- Masters packs?
0: I thought they were 15. No.
1: Uh, maybe they're 15.
0: Never in a million years am I going to open a $15 or $18 pack. Like that's not going to happen. Yeah. So, all right. Some arena time real quick? Yeah. Okay. So, I got a tweet that this is kind of a listener question, which was they wanted to know if we wanted to start doing historic data, Okay. and I said we totally could because I've been playing historic, Mm -hmm. but...
1: I've also been playing historic.
0: I don't know if there's an appetite for that from the greater podcast listenership. If there is, let me know, know, and we can try to put together a sheet and I guess I could use, I don't even know how you would do that. I guess the historic metagame will going to be set by this arena open. Yeah. So we could probably do something there to kind of get like a metagame to like do stuff. But if that's something you're interested in, let us know and we can bring that to you. Absolutely. They said they had done the standard one for a while and they're like, I'm playing a lot of historic now. And I'm like, we've kind of fallen off because like there's no right. There's no uh uh recent No reason anymore. to get hyper competitive. Yeah, and this is less arena, but it was a thing on arena. So I we mentioned I watched the PT finals this weekend, mm-hmm. and the story of the tournament was reclamation decks, either straight teamer or four color, right? And I think they were fifty six. Or 54% of the day one metagame. Yeah. And uh, the card Growth Spiral was in the first three decks of the the first three major represented archetypes of the tournament, hmm. which accounted for 67% of the decks. Wow. It was Team Wreck, Four Color Wreck, and then Bant Ramp were the first Met- three decks.
1: Magic as Mr. Garfield intended
0: a uh, team uh, four color reclamation had a 72% conversion rate to day 2 holy moly 16 of the 22 people that showed up with the deck or something yeah. made it to day 2 so a team of rec i think was also its metagame share went up day 1 to day 2 just a little bit i think it went up to like you know 58 or something percent yeah but there were only four team of rec decks in the top 8 I mm-hmm. say only. Only. Uh, only and, half the field. And then the top 16, 11 of the 16 decks were Team wreck or 4-Color Wreck. Yeah. So the, what else did we have in the top 8 that wasn't Team wreck We had Mardu Winota, which mm-hmm. is trash creatures and a Winota to put more right. trash creatures on the battlefield on turn 4. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blue White Control and then Mono Black Aggro. And then the eighth place on tiebreakers was Jun Sacrifice. And okay. so, just to put into perspective, so Jund was eighth on tiebreakers. It was tied with Team A-Wreck and Team Awreck. Oh. We could have had five Team A-Wrecks if it wasn't for, like, you know, someone's fifth opponent in day one. Right. And then ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth were all Team Awreck. Man. So. Yeah, it was a uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of team of wreck. But yeah. decks that did well, right? That oneota deck, uh, the mono black aggro deck that made top eight, mm-hmm. the I say did well, and now I'm looking for them on the uh, on the sheet, and I can't find them. White weenie, I guess the highest finishing white weenie deck was six and uh, was eight and six, but yeah. white by white weenie uh, was a deck that was specifically built to beat teamer And I just wanted to take a second and use like this event to like definitively illustrate what a meta deck is. Right. Right. So I think if you look at the cards in the Winota deck Mm -hmm. or the mono white aggro deck, pretty much there are very few, if any good cards in those decks. Mm -hmm. right you know there's in the winota deck there's winota which is good Tajik, which has been like wildly unplayable for its entire time in standard outside of winota yeah outside of winota judith had like three weeks in the sun yeah before mayhem devil and then like general's enforcer and like just (laughs) cards that are just like yeah you're laughing at it right deck looks awful Yeah. Uh, Mono White is Selfless Saviors and Garrison Cats. Oh, really? And Hunted Witness and Seasoned Hollow Blade, which is a good card. Glorious Anthem, which was a good card 10 years ago. Uh, No, it was less than 10 years ago. I mean, always watching play. It gave him vigilance, too. It did, but... But... uh, And then uh, Venerated Loxodon, which... Mm -hmm. Has had its moments. Yeah. Um, It's at least a reasonable card. It's at least a reasonable card. But these decks don't have a lot of super powerful cards in them. Right. But the reason they were successful, like Mono Black's a little different. Like Mono Black does have some powerful cards in it. Except for heavy hitters. Yeah. Except for its two drop slot is just kind of bad. Yeah. But these decks all were reasonable choices for this tournament because mm-hmm. there was so much team erect. Yeah. And what this did was the team erect decks stopped worrying about beating everyone else. Yeah, cuz they could just do that. Yes. And then started worrying about beating each other. Mm-hmm. So that led to the four color reclamation decks that had teferi because right. teferi makes it so other team erect decks can't beat you. And then, and had Dovin's Veto, so you could win the counter wars. Mm -hmm. Right. And a lot of these team erect decks cut all their removal. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, it was a big deal when someone had two Stormwraths in their main deck. Yeah. As, like, their only removal. And so the decks went from being these, like, you know, combo control decks. Right, where they're killing all your stuff and then like win with a combo, mm-hmm. to just being, you know, they're a combo control decks, but they're now instead of worrying about the board, they're worried about the stack, right? Which then Waiting let a different battle. Yes, which then let these decks that don't have powerful cards in them that mm-hmm. played on the board, yeah, get under them. So like mono white and this Mardu winota list. Are decks that are metagame decks because they these players looked at the team erect decks and said, No one's playing Stomp anymore. No right. one's playing Scorching Dragonfire. No one's playing Storm's Wrath. They have mm-hmm. no way to kill a two drop. I can just right. go one, two, three, four, or one, two, three, two, two, and kill right. them on turn five. I'm going to do that. Yep. And. So because the teamer decks got so worried about each other, they gave up percentage points to these aggressive decks. Mm -hmm. Now they got a lot of them back post board, but I think uh, Cedric was on the, uh, on the coverage and he said like all these aggressive decks, a mono green as well are favored in game one. Mm -hmm. And then they just have to cross their fingers and hope they can steal one of the cyborg games. Yeah. Right. So a lot of these aggressive decks just started up up one oh against Team Erec. Mm-hmm. So these were just decks that were hard targeting fifty or sixty percent of the field. Yeah. But hoping that they didn't play the other forty percent.
1: Well, and that's kind of like uh, was it Yukihira's list? Yeah. It was okay. the just Esper good stuff.
0: It was Esper stuff that Team Erec has a hard time playing against. Yeah. It's uh it had Teferi's, it had um Takers, it had some random counterspells, he like boarded into a bunch of counterspells post board, had rotting Registrar to be a clock. Right. But it was just like what are all the things that Team Erech doesn't want to play against? Thought erasure. Yeah. Cool. I'm gonna put all those things in my deck. Ken perhaps should have played Team Erech. <laughs> uh he went seven and seven. Yeah. So, but even though White Weenie was supposed to have a good matchup against Teamer, like I said, the highest finishing Teamer rec deck was eight and six. White Weenie deck. White Weenie deck, I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. If we get down to, at nine wins, I think there were six non-Teamer decks that got nine wins or more. Yeah. Or eight or something. Like not very, very, but it had to be eight. There were eight. Yeah. So these decks were just trying to hard target Teamer mm-hmm. because Teamer ignored them. Right. And what's going to happen is maybe Wano White has an okay Teamer matchup, but if Teamer changes three cards, Mono White becomes like unplayable. Mm-hmm. Right. If they are like, you know what, I'm going to cut in the gate and put in the Storm's Wrath. Now yeah. I'm going to have three Storm's Wrath in my main deck, you probably can't play Mono White. Probably not. So this is like when you like make a metagame call, if you think that, hey, 70% of the field is going to be Oko, and I have the deck that beats Oko, <laughs> then you show up with that deck and hope you play against Oko 70% of the time. Right.
1: Uh, and hope that that equates to uh, you doing well in the yeah. event. Yeah
0: you you playing it 10 times and going nine and one yeah so but yeah so these decks that were not teamer or rec decks other than jun sack because i think jun sack was just jun sack yeah they were all hard targeting teamer in some way mm-hmm. most of them just by trying to be aggressive and go under Yeah, and then uh apparently uh Yellow Hat gave Nassif, gave Raphael Levy a blue white control list, and (laughs) he uh surprised and he finished fifth with blue white control, which I'm assuming is a deck that just is a pile of counter spells and little Teferi's to beat up on Team Horek. Yeah, now
1: it's also kind of worth noting while we're talking about um meta decks that while it did work for you at a GP, which is the opposite of what this was. Typically, this kind of stuff only works with like a smallish field, right?
0: It works better when yeah. you have a smaller field. Like, this happens a lot. Like, if you look at the world championships, or this yeah. was 142 people, right. and like almost everyone is a name person, right? That you know what kind of decks they play, and you also mm-hmm. know like the hive mind of, mm-hmm. hey, everyone knows that Teamer is the best deck. So everyone's either going to play it or try to beat it. Mm -hmm. And you make that decision where like at a GP, right? Like I played a deck that was good against Oko and played specifically to be good against Oko and then played two bad matchups and like one deck that was good. That was like two months from being played a lot in either direction. Like, I lost yeah. to guy Fires. Like, Fires was played a lot at the start of the format, went mm-hmm. away, and then got played a lot, like... After Oko left. After Oko left. But I got paired against it and got a draw <laughs> in round, in, like, in the middle of Oko time.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, so, like, in bigger tournaments, it's harder to make these calls because you don't, Understand everyone's motivations, right? Right? Are they there to have fun? Are they there to play their pet deck? Mm-hmm. Or are they there because they think they're going to try to win, so they're going to play the deck that you're hard targeting? Right. But in a hundred and forty-five, I guess it is person field. You have a pretty good sense that that they're all there to try to win it. So you right. know, it's like you- they were all somebody that has already proven them. Also, yeah. I'm looking, looking, looking. Yeah, I don't see Crokey's name out here. Boom! Oh wow! Boom! Boom! Paper boomer. Yeah, I was just ask you what he played. <laughs> uh, he apparently he apparently played a teamer mirror on his stream and cried. So um, so yeah, he 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 did not get the invite. Apparently, hmm. uh, what a shame. It was rough. Poor guy. Rough. Greatest player of our of our generation. Poor guy. Uh, poor guy. But yeah, so. This was an example of meta of people trying to metagame the field. The yeah. problem is, is if you miss the build of the deck that they're playing, and they right. account for you, you get rolled. Mm-hmm. If and then you have no good matchups, yeah. If if your pairings are bad, yeah. you get rolled. You are like right. like oh man, I can beat Team Erect every time I play it, and then like your first four rounds, you play against your four worst. You are like the other deck in the room. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh man, I can never beat Jun Sack. I just hope to dodge it. Yeah, And you play Sack four times and you're like, oh, I guess it doesn't matter because I'm out <laughs> now. So, just be mindful. But this is an example of trying to game, metagame a field. Mm-hmm. Okay. it's a pretty good example.
1: And worth noting.
0: Yes. So, I think with that, we have a podcast. We do um, have... A podcast. A podcast. If you would like to uh, get at us on Twitter, uh, you can tweet us at Casual Tripod. You can also hit us up on Facebook at casual try
1: hard MTG. Shoot us a message there. We'll reply as soon as we can. You can shoot us an email at show at CasualTryHardMTG.com. I check the show email pretty much daily, so that's a pretty good way to get a hold of us. Uh, We also have our Discord channel, which is probably the best way to get a hold of us, I think. Plus, you get to talk with some other like-minded individuals as yourselves. Uh, We have a link in the description. There's also a pinned tweet on our Twitter page and a link on our Facebook to our Discord server. Uh, There's an invite there. If you can't get any of those ways, you can also get at us some other way, either through Facebook or Twitter or email or whatever, and we can send you a personal link. Don't forget that we also have a TCG Player Affiliate link. If you're looking to pick up any singles or sealed product or whatever, uh, if you follow the link tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com, anything you purchase after following that link will help us keep the lights on, as they say. If you would like to support us a little bit more directly, you can do that patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. Every dollar helps. We got that going on. Yes. Yes. We got some perks, too. Um, we do a pre-show just kind of our ramblings before we record, we don't get to see each other in person or at FNM anymore. So we spend a couple minutes before we start recording, kind of catching up like friends do. So you get special access to that. And plus a lot of times we talk a little bit about what we're going to talk about in the show. So it's kind of a sneak peek about the show. And I also post our show notes there before the episode goes live. So you can kind of see where our heads are at before you listen to us ramble for However long this episode was. Yeah. We got anything else? Going?
0: No, I think we're good. Yep, I think that about nails it. So, with that, we'll catch you on the internet.
1: We'll catch you guys on the interwebs.